0: This episode is brought to you by Fizzy Vantage, the official climbing nutrition sponsor of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. Fizzy Vantage is the leading brand in climbing nutrition with more than 40 professional climbers now using Fizzy Vantage products daily to support their training and climbing performance. Many of those names are people I have had on the show. Visit fizzyvantage.com to learn more about their many innovative research-based nutrition products and supplements, including their revolutionary supercharged collagen. That's my personal favorite. I'm rocking the chocolate flavor right now. The performance-boosting Endure-X and their delicious protein supplements, Weapons Grade Whey, and they have a plant-based protein called PowerPlex. If you would like to feel the fizzy vantage, head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code nugget15 at checkout to save 15% off any full-priced nutrition product. That's nugget15 at checkout, and you can find a direct link that includes this coupon right there in your podcast app. This episode is also brought to you by Crimped. This might be the best tool in the app store when it comes to training for rock climbing. Right now I'm feeling really motivated to work on my leg and hip flexibility for a climb I wanna do in Waco this winter. And I need to be slightly more open in the hips to reach this foothold on the climb I wanna do. And I know I can do it if I put in a little work over the course of this fall season. Unfortunately, I hate stretching, but the great thing is the Crimped app makes it easy. I can just jump into the app, pull up their hip and leg flexibility workout. There are videos that show me exactly what to do. There's a built-in timer that tells me how long to hold each stretch and I don't even have to think about it, I love it. If you're a self-coached climber and you want proven workouts to improve anything, your bouldering, your endurance, flexibility, you name it, crimped has you covered. So check it out. Crimpt is spelled C R I M P D. That's the word crimp with a D at the end. And you can find it in the App Store for iOS or Android. And you can use the web-based version at crimpt.com. And it's totally free to try it out. So check out Crimpt. That's crimp with a D at the end to get started with your training. And finally, this episode is brought to you by Arcteryx. When Jordan Cannon, a young climber infatuated with climbing history, meets climbing legend Mark Hudon, a Yosemite big wall free climbing pioneer, they form an unlikely partnership around a common goal. Jordan wants to free climb the free rider on El Capitan in a day, and Mark hopes to free the route in as many days as it takes and accomplish his lifelong goal of free climbing El Capitan. Follow their story in free as can be, a short climbing film brought to you by Archeterics. I watched the film over the summer. It's 31 minutes long. It's so well done. It's a story of climbing partnership and adventure. And if you love this podcast, and especially if you loved my episode with Jordan Cannon, episode 115, one of my favorites, then I know you'll love the film. So check it out. Head over to YouTube and search for Arc'teryx Free As Can Be, or use the direct link right there in your podcast app to watch the full 31-minute film for free. Once again, you can head over to YouTube and search for Arc'teryx Free As Can Be, or use the direct link right there in your podcast app to watch the full 31-minute film for free. Arc'teryx presents Free As Can Be. And we hope you enjoy the film. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And I've got two guests on the podcast today. Drew Ruwana is back on the podcast. This is his third appearance. We did a episode way back, I believe in episode 16 or thereabouts in early 2020. And I did a short follow up with him in the fall of 2020. So this is the first time I've sat down and caught up with Drew in a couple years. And he has been on an absolute rampage. This guy's been on a mission to try to climb every V14 and harder in Colorado. And he seems to be doing that. He has racked up an amazing tick list in the last two years since we last talked, recently climbed his 50th V14. And I believe he's climbed five V16s now. And it was super fun to catch up with him and hear some of the things that he's learned from the last two years. And our second guest today is Cameron Hurst. Cam just happened to be visiting Drew on a climbing trip when I drove down to Golden to do this interview. And Cameron is someone who's been on my list for quite a long time as someone I was hoping to have on the podcast. And it was super fun to talk to both of these guys at once. If you recognize Cameron's name, there's a couple of reasons why that might be. Joe Kinder talked about him in his episode. They climbed together in the fin cave when Cameron did his first 515 He repeated Joe's Root Bone Tomahawk in the Fin Cave, and Joe and I had talked about that in his episode. And Cameron is also the son of Eric Hurst. Eric is a well-known climbing coach. He's the man behind Training for Climbing. He's written a bunch of climbing books, and he's been on the podcast as well. But yeah, this was a super fun interview. It was really interesting to sit down with two of the strongest young rock climbers in the country, Drew being completely focused on bouldering and Cameron being much more focused on sport climbing. So it was really interesting to ask both of them a lot of the same questions and hear their different perspectives here and to hear their different approaches, how they stay strong while projecting, how they mix in training and performance and how they're both thinking about the future. One of my favorite parts of this conversation was hearing Drew's thoughts on what it would take for him to climb V18. That kind of blew my mind and it was really fun to hear about it because that's something that Drew has actually thought about a lot. And similarly, it was really fun to hear about Cam's goal to climb 515B and his thoughts on what it would take for him to climb 515C someday. That's definitely something that he is gunning for. And I will let you guys discover the rest. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And I hope you guys enjoy this Deep dive into high performance climbing with two of the strongest young rock climbers in the country, Drew Ruana and Cameron Hurst. You guys want to tell me what you climbed on today? Just sound checking.
1: I don't know the name of the climb <laughs> I did.
2: Overcling Traverse. Was it good?
1: It was really good. Yeah. It's like, does like this left exit of Wheel of Volvo, but it skips like the hardest part. So it's only like V11. It's a high start. (laughs) Only V11. But it's tight. It's really good. Nice. Kim
2: almost did a different V11 too.
1: Sick, dude. Fell off the slab at the top. (laughs) But (laughs) it was not not bad for a first
2: day
0: of bouldering in a year. Mm -hmm. That's good.
2: What were you trying today? I was trying this Sit Start project at Clan of the Cave Bears, but. I felt kind of like doo doo today. So,
0: <laughs> why?
2: Like, why is that? Just been climbing there a lot. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just hit or miss. I'm like not that psyched on Lincoln for like right now, I guess, just because I've uh, been going there a ton. Need like a break, try mm-hmm. some different stuff. I've only been trying endurance boulders where the crux is like the last move. And that's the
1: shit, though. <laughs> no,
2: it's not. It's, yeah. it's fucking annoying, is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm just like ready to try different stuff. Basically ready for cold temps to get here. I got you. Right.
0: Well, thanks for doing this guys.
1: Yeah. yeah. Is this is the first duo mm-hmm. podcast ever.
0: It's not the first one. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure. But, um, this might be the strongest <laughs> podcast combo I've had on, nice. on the nugget. Yeah, definitely. Um, Drew, this is like two and a half years in the making, man. <laughs> the comeback. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like we, uh, we of course recorded an episode and you were one of my early episodes and one of my earliest follow ups. Um, but we planned to record in person like in twenty twenty in February in Waco and then Or
2: Bishop, I think. Sorry, and Bishop,
0: of yeah. course. Yeah, and Bishop.
2: I definitely had COVID looking back. Oh, like really? It was, it was before COVID was a thing. Oh no, but way. I remember I think I was I was gonna be there for a month and it was like Day two, and Steven's like, let's do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'm psyched. I feel like I got hit by a truck, though. Like, I think I'm just going to go back home. Yeah. And then I was just, yeah, not feeling it and just had to end up leaving super early. And then, yeah, looking back, that was definitely like COVID before we knew COVID was a thing. Mm. But (laughs) gotcha. You also had like torn your fingertip off. Yeah, I'm goldfish like, trombone. Totally. I remember
0: you. Congrats, uh, by the way.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I like
0: I knew you were gonna go back for it. I remember at the time you fell off the last move and tore your flapper. You were like climbing on it in the sun. <laughs> you were like, fuck this thing, I'm never coming back here. And I was like, mm, Yeah. That's not how Drew works. <laughs> yeah, I just
2: needed a two years off. But yeah. But I think that's still the worst finger skin injury I've ever had. I had to like wear a band-aid and tape, climb on that for like a month. <laughs> I remember just you doing like surgery in your van and it was just this nasty like <laughs> yeah. blister that was like so deep. It was like just blood filling yeah. it as well. And it, oh yeah, that was, that
0: was gross. <laughs> like a blister, like a blood blister below a flapper somehow. Yeah. 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 That yeah it was, was bad. Still haunts my dreams a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I came down here thinking that we were going to do, well, not thinking I knew of course, like a day or two before, but plan to do a follow up and just hear what you've been up to. Cause it's been a couple of years um, since I've seen you at least. And you've been just absolutely crushing it and <laughs> you're not alone. Um, and Cam, you've been on my list for a while too. And I figured uh-huh. we, we would meet in the fin cave or something in October. But uh, what are you doing here?
1: Uh, so I just moved in to Salt Lake City with one of Drew's old roommates and we came to visit him for his birthday and we figured we'd make like a longer trip out of it to climb a few days. So Yeah. It's been fun. I haven't climbed with Drew in over a year. Like the past three years, I've always met Drew out here in the Front Range to climb for a few days, just like between me climbing in Wyoming or Utah. And I'd hit bouldering up. But it's been fun to see him again and try to climb something. Yeah. Nice.
0: Do you boulder outside much at all?
1: So my first bouldering trip was actually done with Drew like three years ago, like right after I graduated high school and my whole life, I never bouldered outside only in the gym just because my family, my mom and dad and brother were psyched on sport climbing and we would only climb a few months out of the year and we'd always travel for sport climbing. So yeah, like three years ago, I did a trip with Drew in Vegas and then we bouldered for a few weeks, which was really fun. And then we followed that up the next year. And then I'm not sure No,
2: we year. went back to Vegas like the next month.
1: Oh, right? yeah, we yeah, yeah. We did like two well. two week trips to Vegas like in like right like the year right before COVID started. And then we went back to Vegas like the next year. So I've done a few bouldering trips, but I've never like really like tried to project a boulder very long. It was kind of more of just like a social thing and like an anti-style thing to get better as a climber, but It's definitely something now that I live in Salt Lake and I live in a place where there's a lot of good bouldering near it, I'm going to definitely tap into it. And I also think as a sport climber, once you get to a certain level, like just getting more fit isn't going to get you to that next level. And being able to pull hard moves and do really hard cruxes is something you can only get replicated from doing that, either in a gym or outside. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Drew, what was it that caused you to make the switch? I mean, not that you're like, not to put you in a box, but you've been like exclusively bouldering for three years or something now. And I always knew you as more of a sport climber in Washington and Oregon until you climbed out Washington and Oregon and had nothing left to do. But yeah, have you always loved bouldering or did a switch of some type have to happen?
2: Uh, I've always loved bouldering. I think when you knew me, I was a lot uh, younger and I just was not as strong then. I was a late bloomer to say, and I didn't get that like just gnarly, like pull down bone crushing strength that boys tend to get around like 16, 17, 18 years old. And then the entire time up until then, like yeah, I was just climbing a ton down at Smith. I was always like pretty fit in the gym for comps and stuff. And then as soon as I like, the last comp I ever did was uh, the 2019 World Cup in Inzai. And yeah, I was really fit in ropes then. I was triple lapping 14 D at the gym, <laughs> just like, cool. I'm like really fit. And then I fell felt the second bolt. <laughs> oh man. And so I was like getting lowered. And as I was like, before I even touched the ground, I was like, I'm so done with this shit. Like I'm literally in Japan right now for this comp and I just blew it like so mm. bad. And yeah, I was living in Salt Lake city and I had done like my first 15 there. And so I was like, well, and I had that day at Joe's where I did like a 15, like three thirteens and two elevens in like a day. Yeah. And so I was like, well, obviously I'm like fit bouldering, like screw it, let's, there's so many climbs I wanna do. Like, let's go have some fun. Like I'm gonna go boulder. It's easier to do that by yourself. It's like less of a commitment. Cause if you're not feeling it, you can usually just throw your stuff in your pad and kind of get out of there. And then it wasn't until the second trip I did with Cam basically out to Vegas, I did that sleepwalker rig. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh man, that only took like seven or eight climbing days. Like, dang. <laughs> what else can I I do? guess I should do this. Like I mm. <laughs> guess I'm stronger than I thought I was. And then that was just like the beginning of it. And then kind of just went off from there.
0: Yeah. I'm curious. So I have a bunch of questions for both of you, and I think I'll just kind of take you guys in turn and we'll have cool. We'll focus on Drew and then we'll ask similar questions to you, Cameron. Do you prefer Cam or Cameron?
1: Either one, most like the only people that call me uh Cameron are like my mom and my girlfriend, and <laughs> yeah. everyone else calls me cam,
0: so, okay, yeah, noted, okay, cool, I'll call you but, cam then since i'm since I'm not your mom, um but yeah, so drew, it's been like two years since we've talked and done this. You just climbed your fiftieth v fourteen I don't know how many <laughs> you had done at the time, but it was.
2: Like five, yeah. I think, six it's maybe. It's just
0: been insane, dude. I <laughs> and I have this list in front of me. Like I was going back through your Instagram to remind myself, I mean, because I follow you, but like which ones have you done recently? And I mean, just in the last like year, Insomniac, V16, first ascent. Direwolf, V15, first ascent. Big Arms, V15, first ascent. Distortion, most recently, which I know is why you've been climbing at Lincoln Lake so much, V16, first ascent. The Ice Knife, V15, you know, repeat. So I have a bunch of questions. Like, first off, which of those have really stood out to you? Like, which have been the most meaningful from... I mean, we just went down to your bedroom. You have a whole whiteboard <laughs> with all these hard boulders on it, and half of them are checked off at this point. Which ones really stand out?
2: Um, I don't know. They all kind of stand out in their own way. Like Ice Knife, for example. Like, that thing was so hard for me. And if I was, like, legitimately two inches taller, it would have been such a different story. I have a pretty short... Ape index as well like I have a negative one ape index, and on that climb specifically I was like yeah okay this is this is something here like I'm gonna have to come up with completely like new beta for myself basically um and that one ended up taking like 17 days for me over two seasons which is like more than most 15s take me if not any other 15 so it's like dang I'm putting in so much work to this just trying to get it like as wired as possible and it felt so close and so far away, like every single time I'd try it. And I don't know, just having to like, that one also is like pretty rough on the skin. And so I was having days where I'd go up and 30 minutes later, I'd have like a huge flapper taken out of my finger because of the way I had to like grab the holds to do the moves being as short as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that one, that one definitely stood out. Like it was really nice standing on top of it because I was like, cool, that, was like the third try of the day like i just warmed up i did it from like i did the last two moves and then i did the crux and then i did the first two moves and i was like cool i think i'm going to just do it right now and then i did it and it was like well that was anticlimactic <laughs> like that was 17 days of work and like damn that actually felt like v2 today like <laughs> why <laughs> um yeah and so, yes yeah, so that one that one was really nice the dire wolf one that you mentioned is probably like my favorite first ascent that I've done in Colorado so far. Where is that? It's down in South Platte. Um, it's like the full line of this cave that Will England prepared. And yeah, it's cool. It's got like two different recycle moves. like this really cool like dihedral like drop knee feature just under clings, dino in the middle. Like it's it's got kind of everything. That one is really fun trying.
0: Rad, dude. Um, I like the word prepared. I think that's a cool word for a, a boulder crag. I've never
2: oh yeah. I've,
0: yeah, I've never heard someone use that. I always think established or found or there's yeah, pr- prepared makes sense. No,
2: some boulders definitely take preparing. Like you always have to prepare a rope climb, right? Like you gotta put the hangers in, make sure it's clean. Some boulders you get lucky and you find it. You're like, well, that's a gym. That is ready to go. No cleaning necessary. Others, like you might have to build a landing, do a bit of scrubbing. Others, you might have to move like literal thousands of pounds of rock out mm-hmm. of the way to expose it. And that's something that doesn't get talked about that often because it's like, oh, it's just a boulder. Like anyone can do it. And I think now it's like kind of similar as uh, like red tagging rope climbs where it's like, yeah, I put a hundred dollars of gear into this like eight hours, nine hours a time, just bolting it. Um, and then... For boulders, like there's been times you have to like buy a bunch of equipment, like carjacks to move stuff out of the way. Like it's (laughs) not every boulder, but every now and then there's one where it's like, yeah, this took like days and days and days and money and time and everything. And now it's like a climb that actually did not exist before and it's not something you can just like stumble upon and find Mm. it's like, yeah, I prepared this climb and I got it ready.
0: That's rad, that's super cool. Um, I'm curious, so with I'm curious how you think about balancing stuff you can do quick with stuff that takes a big investment. Cause I was actually really surprised. We just went downstairs to look at your whiteboard and there's this V17 on it. And you said, you just, you've put like 70 days into this thing. And mm-hmm. then the ice knife, you've put 17 days to send that thing. But from the outside, I'm I'm actually really surprised to hear that because you seem to just like check, 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 you know, like a day V14, another day V14. How do you decide where to invest a lot of time versus just like I'm going to do what I think I can do to keep checking things off this, this long list.
2: It's like when I feel close to something or I feel like it's possible and I am like really inspired and I want to do it, it's easier to put a lot of time into. But for me, I've never had an easy time like projecting. Um, Like it's really nice to do stuff that like feels hard, but only in a couple days or something. And then the stuff that's like really hard, that takes a lot of time, um, it's just so mentally draining. It's like, oh, I'm going to the same moves again. I'm gonna do this move in ISO, and it's gonna feel so easy. Why can't I just do it from the bottom? Mm. Um, and then, like, yeah, the Megatron thing or whatever, those was seventy days over the last two seasons. and I think my best try fell, and there was like maybe like v eight or v nine to the top which like for a climb of that level, it's like, that's nothing. That's what you warm up on.
0: That's the V17 project.
2: Yeah, and so like the link that I did, the high point that I did is like, for sure the hardest climb I've ever done, but it's not (laughs) like the full thing, you know? Right. And then after that happened, I was like, yeah, I need to like take some time away from only trying the same boulder every single day. I need to like do different moves, try hard in different ways, like build out my pyramid a bit more, like do a bunch more 14s and 15s. and that's usually what I do. Like after I do a hard climb, for the most part, I've most of the time I kind of try and like branch out and just start building more 14, 15. And then that usually makes like when I go back to try 16, it makes it feel easier. So I'm just that much stronger, that much more like success, I guess. Um, yeah, confident. Yeah, confidence. It's kind of a big thing on some of those boulders. Yeah,
0: especially when no one's done it yet. And, then... yeah.
2: and it's hard, like those 70 days, like... It's Dude, not... I
0: can't. Im- I can't imagine that. I think my longest boulder project is, it's like eleven days over a month or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, this is like forty days. days. The first season where I went for like two months, like just only trying that thing.
0: Only like, trying that.
2: Yeah, and that's it, fascinating
0: to me. That's yeah. surprising
2: to me, actually. Those stuff like that. That's kind of what you need to do. You need to just like beat the climb into the ground, mm. and at least Megatron breaks down from like honestly, probably a V-16 boulder to get to the stand start. And the stand is like a pretty hard 14. And I only made it through the bottom like probably five times ever or something. And so the 14 I was like warming up on, I was like ripping (laughs) that thing like two or three times a sesh. Like, oh, cool. That felt like even easier than last time. Like, let me just try and get through this like V-15 or 16 boulder problem to get to the 14. Um, But (laughs) yeah, stuff like that. I guess it's different like when it's for me at least at like a 16 or 15 right now, like if I get close, it's like, yeah, I can just walk away and try something else for a bit, like come back in a couple weeks. But like the muscle memory that you need on like the 17 style boulders, like I haven't learned that yet, what it takes to climb V17. It's definitely a huge step up from like anything else I've kind of done in bouldering and still learning the like mental game on trying that hard. So I think physically it's like there and there again, but like mentally it's really hard to like stay focused. And even though that's what you need to do, it's just like, yeah, I could fall on any move on this climb. I've fallen on each of the moves hundreds of times and I've fallen or I've done the moves thousands of times. So just have that one day where everything clicks together. It's easier to do that when you just put the time into it. Thousands of times. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's crazy do you have um maybe that was an exaggeration but probably, still, I'm like, probably not
0: dude <laughs> 70 days I mean do you have um any ideas strategically for how you might do things differently going back or is it just like get a little stronger level up a bit go back and do the same process
2: I think last time I kind of broke when I started getting really close I was like, like mentally it. yeah I'm like so close right now like when's it gonna happen And I think this time I'm like, I've gone through that enough on this one boulder and on other hard boulders where it's like, yeah, it's going to happen at some point. Just got to like see through the process basically. Okay. Especially on stuff that I'm like really psyched on doing.
0: Cam.
1: What's up?
2: (laughs) So I have a bunch of
0: listener questions for both you guys. And I want to ask you guys both the same question, but we should we should set this up a little bit for Cam. So, same thing with you, dude. Your first, in the last year, like your first 15A with Bone Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. And then I just have like this massive list of hard shit you've done. Mutation, 14D at the Rodeo Wave and Lander, Southern Pump Direct, Manphibian, Resisting Arrest, mm-hmm. Monkey in the Middle, 14C. Like all of those are 14C or harder. Um, which ones of those... Stood out to you?
1: Definitely Bones Tomahawk a year ago because that was like, took like three times the effort out of any other climbs that are on the list that you just said. But not just from the effort I put into that climb, but just like the experience I had like with Joe in the Fin Cave and doing his route. That's like kind of a mystical route in the United States. Not many people know exactly where the Fin Cave is just because there's only hard routes there and only... Like 9A, 9 plus climbers have really climbed there for the most part. But that's definitely like my most fond experience in climbing, I would say, at least in climbing hard. And I know in your podcast with Joe, he kind of touched on that a little bit from like his perspective. And I think we like both have the same feeling about that time. And we're going back again this fall. So it's like round two. And I'm psyched. And you'll be there, it seems, for a little bit of it. Hopefully so. so. Yeah. Yeah. And then also resisting arrest was this project in Mount Charleston at the Roost. And it was bolted by Andy Rather I believe, like years and years and years ago. And I guess right around the time Andy first moved to Vegas and he was psyched and he bolted all these like cool lines and he never really got around to trying all of them. And like, I guess this year, Joe kind of sent all sent all of his projects for the spring. And he was like, let me go try this thing off. And he kind of dust off the cobwebs and whatnot and started trying it. And he got like a team of people together trying it. And then after, after I came down from St. George, I started trying it with him and Joe was already pretty close. And I kind of did all my goals for like the little two week trip there and started trying it with him. And then we both sent the climb back to back.
0: Oh man. Like
1: Joe got the FA and it was like this big deal because like he was having trouble with like the red point crux, which is like the slow percentage cross through. And that's like after you've already climbed 9A and he stuck it. And, like, everyone was, like, what the hell? Because, like, the last session he was, like, kind of having trouble with it. But he stuck it, and he sent it. And I was, like, damn, it's my turn. It's, like, the last day of the trip. Like, hopefully, like, some magic can happen. And I ended up sending it right after him. And it was really cool. So cool. Really cool. And it's, like, probably the hardest route at Mount Charleston minus, like, this other 14D that's called Ghetto Booty. Mm. And that's just only been done, like, three times ever. And it's, Mm. like really hard but really cool times and joe and i climb really well together i think like we've just been in the same place at the same time kind of in the last couple years and i've kind of spent a lot of my time climbing down in the vegas area in the utah hills area just because that's like the place to be for like hard sport climbing in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's the highest density of hard roots and it's the highest quality and the best weather too. Best weather, yeah. Long season too. It's a long season, yeah. I mean, the Utah Hills is in season for a long time and then there's stuff that's lower elevation that stays in season when it gets too cold and whatnot. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's really cool. And I'm psyched to go back. I'm in training mode right now.
0: What for, for Big Claw or? for For
1: Big Claw, yeah. So I tried that like a few days at the beginning of my trip this spring and it was way too hot to do it. So Big Claw is like this 9A in the cave that Joe did a year ago. And he sent that at the same time that I sent Bone Tomahawk. And Joe's going back to do like his big mega project in the cave. Big Bone. Yeah, and I don't wanna like steal his thunder talking about it in case like <laughs> he does it. Cause that's like his baby. Like yeah. that's like, yep. like the epitome of all of his hard climbing in the like, United States is that thing. Because it will be like the hardest climb he's ever done and the coolest climb and just like really sick. So if I can send that, I'm definitely going to session on it with him just because Bone Tomahawk goes into Big Claw. So I'll have all the parts done and we'll see what happens. But nice, definitely psyched for the, what the future holds as far as that goes and just being out west and being able to have access to so much more hard climbing than I've ever been in like able to get to in a day's drive
0: mm-hmm. so yeah that's awesome man that's always uh that's always been my favorite type of big project is to like have a first anchor proj and do that and then have something that climbs in and like does the extension that's easier and do that and then like try to link it all together i love like any time i can
1: mm-hmm. you know I agree with that. I think that for the nature of the roots in the fin cave, it works out really well for that. Like the progression, you can kind of build yourself. And not a lot of crags can do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think like, I'm not necessarily a fan of all link-ups in sport climbing. Like you can go to some places and like the progression of a link-up kind of, you just like start like down a ramp and you keep going lower and lower and lower until you (laughs) do it. And it's kind of like, uh, not sleazy, but just like not as clean as just doing like its own line. But in the fin cave, the roots kind of weave in and out of each other. So there's not much crossing over except for big, uh, um, big bone. Cool. And yeah, really cool.
0: Right. Okay. I have a couple questions from Tristan, one for each of you guys. Drew, Tristan writes this, you've been on a tear of trying to do every V14 in Colorado what are one to three things you've learned from doing quote
2: all the boulders?
1: <laughs> uh,
2: I, there's never going to be all the boulders. There's always going to be something around the next hill, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was curious. I, like he put words to that. I
0: was going to ask a similar thing. Like the last two years, you've done so many hard boulders. You've climbed with so many strong people. What are a few lessons that really stand out? If anything, um,
2: I guess this is more just kind of like. Restyling this because that's probably a question I need to like ponder on for a bit. Um, I'm at the point now where like doing a single boulder doesn't really mean too much to me. I'm like, oh cool, V14, like sick, another one. But it's more just like how it builds into like the big goal, I guess, of like doing everything. Like (laughs) there are just all these like milestones that I want to hit, and like each boulder is just a stepping stone to that. And it's like the big goal of like, man, maybe in my lifetime I can do like 300 V14s, 400 V14s, like where's the limit, you know? Like I could go to South Africa and there's like 100 there, like is that going to be next? Like, I don't know. And so like doing single boulders is like, I used to like try and be like more objective-based, just like everything's about like this one boulder. And then once I do that boulder, like I'm psyched, that's it. And now I'm like, oh, I want to do this boulder to like prove that I can do that boulder. And once I do that boulder, done, objective done. What's the next one? Like as soon as I'm standing on top of something, I'm like immediately thinking about whatever's next. Yeah. Um, and I guess another thing is, uh, I don't know, there's just so many different climbs to do. Like there's so many different styles of moves. Like just it's like actually endless to the point where I don't know. Like I have things planned out for a season that I want to do and plans always change. Um, Sometimes I think a climb is going to take me like, you know, a sesh, two seshes, three seshes, like a short amount of time and it ends up being like a battle. Other times I'm like, oh man, this is... I'm really going to have to work for this one. And then it goes in like two days and I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is climbing? Like (laughs) that climb was so hard and I did it in like three days and it feels so much harder than this other climb that objectively air quotes is easier. Like in that one, you know, even though it's easier, it took me so much more time because like for me where I'm at, it just, that was not the way it was like meant to be. Hmm. And I think I tend to lose sight of that sometimes and like I don't know. I just really want to like do everything. And sometimes when I feel like I should be able to do something, it sucks. And it's like hard to take a step back and kind of look at the big picture. Like I'll just – that that's been one thing that this kind of journey I guess has taught me is that just like not to get caught up in like the day-to-day. Like, oh, I feel like I'm failing because every now and then I like will scroll through my own Instagram and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like I forgot I did that thing. Like, <laughs> oh, cool. Like, sick. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, man, I haven't done anything in so long. I feel like I'm so weak right now. Like, you know, I'm just not able to send shit. Like, this sucks. I'm just failing. And then I'm like, oh, well, I did a project like a week ago. I've just like punted <laughs> five times on this thing that, where I feel like I shouldn't have. Mm. Um, like, it's still been a successful journey so far. And it's just hopefully going to p- keep being like more successful. But like in the day-to-day, it, it like it's pretty hard to deal with because mm. – I don't know. Like I said, I finished one boulder and then all of a sudden I like look at my list and I'm like, cool, there's one down. I have 400 more to go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's hard to like tell which ones are going to be like the battles, which ones are going to be like easier. Um, it'd be a lot nicer if I could tell, because <laughs> then it'd be easier to like put energy in where it's like, I guess going to be the most efficient way to do stuff. Um, I mean, that's the fun in it. You never know what you're going to get with some of these climbs.
0: Right. It's fascinating to me, man. I'm curious, like, what is it that lights the fire the most for you at this point? Like, is there, is there like an ultimate level that you hope to reach? Is it like, you know, opening up V18 someday or is it just like becoming a master climber or... Sending, <laughs> just sending everything, feeling like you can step up to everything and send anything you want to. Like, what, what is it that like really keeps the fire burning? Cause I, it's hard for me to imagine that like, if you've done 300 V14s, it still has the same allure that it did.
2: I think it'd have even more. Really? For me than, okay. Yeah, that's fascinating. Like, I think the more I do, like the hungrier I get for more, like every time I stand on top of a boulder, it's like, it's like this crazy drug rush. I'm just like, Yes again, like what's the next time I can get this rush again? (laughs) Like what's the next boulder I'm going to do? Yeah. And for me, at least like V14, when I was a little kid, like, you know, I never thought I was like going to climb that hard. I was like, that's crazy. That's what the pros do. And now I'm like, well, dang, sometimes I do it in a session. Like sometimes it goes in like 20 minutes. Like sometimes I lap it when I'm trying to do like, you know, a harder entrance or something like that. And for me, like That's why I've kind of set the goal at like V14, at least and it, that's like the number that that really gets me like going more than anything else where it's just like, I don't know what I'm gonna get. Like, I'd love to get the mastery down of like maybe in the future I'll flash one. Like I've never Mm. done that yet and that'd be really cool. Um, But like the more I do it and the more I send, the more it's like I'm able to kind of unlock them in like a fast amount of time. And that I really just love that feeling and feeling like I'm stronger than I was the week before, the month before, the year before, and kind of like seeing the progress for myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I hope at some point that the way V14 has turned into for me, like maybe V15 will turn into that, where it's like, mm. oh, cool. Like, yeah, I can do that in a couple of days on average. Like, you know, that'd be great. And then after that, like, what's next? Maybe V16 will turn into that, where yeah, you know, it's, oh, dang, I just did my 40th V16. Let's go. And How many do you think there are right now, V16s? In Ooh, the world? I, I had that number down a bit ago. I think there's like 50 or 60 in the no world. No way. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Maybe 40. I don't know. Holy shit. I did not realize there were that many. I would have guessed like 15.
2: Oh, no. I mean, there's like eight in You've Colorado. You've probably done 15. <laughs> <or something>. No, <laughs> five. Okay. I want to do more. Yeah. Um, I think there's like eight or something, seven in Colorado. A lot of projects that like could be 16 or harder. Um, There's a couple in Utah. There's a couple in California. There's a lot in Switzerland. There's a couple in France. There's like four or five now, maybe even six in Japan. Mm. Uh, There's a couple in South Africa. There's a lot. (laughs) Just got to know where to look basically. Do you think you'll shift back to ropes? Yeah, I want to at some point. Okay. I was kind of thinking like, I mean- the reason why I don't rope climb right now is because there's simply not that much. And with the way my brain works, if I like decide to really make the switch to ropes, like I'm going to be in the gym just doing laps on laps until Mm. I get that, you know, triple lap 14 D strength again, go outside. Um, Mm. but I think after, uh, I've had my fill with bouldering, like maybe get a couple 17s done mostly when I'm done with school that's kind of my time limit. I got about three and a half more years till I'm done with that. I mean, it would be cool to like try and do the same thing but with like 515s in the country. Mm. Like let's go do every single one. And what cam there's probably what like 30 or so. There's 20? not
1: 30 dude. I haven't done like the There will be later. I, there there might there might be but uh there's not 30. I know there's probably like t- maybe 15 to 20. Uh I know there's only like 3 15 Bs in the United States and there was only two until this spring when Jonathan did his climb up at the 5G wall. So there's a lot of nine A's or five fourteen D climbs in the country nowadays, but there's probably only like fifteen five fifteens in the country or less. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna have to say. And I could like, if we took the time here, I could probably like go through all the places <laughs> and think about it. But yeah, it's like even then, it'd be a really cool thing. Many. And I feel like that. Yeah, that'd be. Super but that's cool why thing. there's like, that's why there's uh all the strongest climbers in America are primarily boulders. There's so much more. I mean, there's so much more potential as far as bouldering in the States goes and establishment that it makes sense. And that's why a lot of the pros that sport climb in America take their trips to France or Spain and stuff. Right. Right. It's the Mecca. And that's the plan for me in the future. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, so that makes sense. So, you,
0: Drew, going back to what you just said, you're in golden right now going to school bouldering is amazing here, sport climbing, not so much. So you have like a three and a half year time limit. It's
2: not that sport climbing isn't amazing here. I mean, there's so many like 514s here. Right. I feel it like hard to hard, like hard, hard. Yeah. The level I'm at right now with bouldering, like I'm just going to throw it out here. My endurance is really bad right now. Like I rope climbed at the gym the other day with my girlfriend for like the first time in three years and I had to take five bolts up a 13A (laughs) Yeah, it was – well, granted, it was the second session of the day and it was my seventh climb and <laughs> all these other things. But still, right. like, I never would have thought, like, at any point in time that no matter how wrecked I ever would be, yeah. that I would have to take on a 13A inside a gym. Like, that just never entered my mind. I mean, especially five bolts <laughs> up
0: because that's got to be, like, shorter than Grand Illusion or something.
2: Dude, it was, like – 10 moves, 15 <laughs> moves by then. And I was like, I think you were just right, exhausted. Take. Well, yeah. But still, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like no matter how wrecked I am. I mean, barring injury, of course, like I'll probably always be able to do like V seven. Mm-hmm. Like, probably always. Like that's kind of the way I looked at it. But like what I guess what I'm trying to get at is like I don't think it'd take that much work for me to like maybe three weeks in the gym or something like that. And then I'd be back at like Okay, I can go outside and probably do 14 C in like a couple tries. Like that's where I was at when I was 16. Um, at like some of the stuff in say use or whatever, like 14B, 14C was like a a day or two days, like maybe usually more like a day at that grade. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like 16 or 17. Like I'm so much stronger now totally. than I was then. And when I decide to make the switch, um I think the new level for me will probably be in the five fifteen range. And there's just simply none of that in Colorado. There's only a couple and very seasonal rigs, I think. Mm. And it's like right now for me, like not worth the effort to spend a bunch of time in the gym to get in 515 shape when all that time I could continue working through this list of boulders basically.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
2: And like Cam said, like the Mecca being like kind of the Vegas, Utah area for all the 15s, it um, be a lot easier to do that if I you know, wasn't in school. It's Mm -hmm. a lot harder to travel for that sort of stuff when, yeah, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask about Grand
0: Illusion actually. And I assume that's why you haven't, you haven't, have you done that one? No. Okay. And and I assume that's why, just because it's a whatever, four or five hour drive or something. like eight.
2: Eight hour drive to get to. It's enough where it's like hard to get to. And the entire time it's like in season where it's like super crisp and cold and you're not like sweating off the wall. That's right when my midterms and finals are. Okay. So. It's like <laughs> sure. yeah. I don't know. I was actually talking to Cam
1: about this like earlier today, I think. Yeah, we were talking about him coming to visit to do that. Because like I oh, nice. try that climb. Oh sweet. Because it's like a longer boulder. Totally. And it's really close to my house. And obviously it's like <laughs> gonna be a multi year project that I put time into no way. over the course <laughs> of like do it fast. over the course obviously. of time. Who knows? I don't know. I mean I, it's it's very difficult climb. And yeah, I think yeah. that like like people like like watch drew put down a lot of like really hard boulders fast and it's definitely like a different game and takes a lot of dedication and effort to get to that. And I definitely don't have that to get to that level of bouldering right now because mm-hmm. I'm just so psyched on sport climbing, but he should definitely come and do it. Cause I think it's like the coolest boulder. It's super sick. It looks and, amazing. And it flows really well and it's like long. So I like, I think it's really cool, like being able to do like thirty moves, like close to the ground, so you're not like high balling, and they're like, it's like a crescendo of hard moves until the very end. A crescendo. And there's like, there's like no clipping, which is badass. Mm-hmm. So you can just stay in the flow the whole time. So
2: yeah, yeah. the hardest That's move so is cool. like the last move, basically. Yeah. Damn. Although I've been doing so many endurance boulders. I'm tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was telling Cam, I was like, yeah, like I'll probably wait till I'm done with school. Um, And then I'm just going to train really hard doing circuits and stuff where the last move is like a similar style crux move. And then hopefully it just goes in like a weekend or something Mm. like that. Um, I'd really like to not do the same thing. Like that was my first taste of putting like 20 plus days into a boulder and not succeeding. And yeah, I don't like that feeling. Um, So (laughs) next time I'd really like to just come with all the tools I need and just do it. Hopefully. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense to me.
0: Okay, Cam, I want to ask you the same question. Um, the question that Tristan asked Drew, but with my own spin on it. So what are one of three things that you learned during that chapter in the Fin Cave with Joe?
1: So Either specifically with Joe? Joe or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Um...
0: Or just trying bone tomahawk. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So the reason why like I decided to try bone tomahawk is for the two main reasons. Like I took this gap period of time between high school and college to try to climb five fifteen. And my idea That was why
0: you're like I'm gonna take a year off? Yeah, yeah. Cause like
1: I I, like I climbed only half the year from the time I was a little kid till I was eighteen. Cause I played high school sports and I lived in an area where you couldn't go climbing every weekend. And I trained out of my home gym. I was never a part of a climbing team and I never competed. But like I did like my first 514 when I was 11 years old and like my first 514C when I was like 15 years old and I was only training six months of the year. So my idea was like if what would happen if I could climb 12 months out of the year. And that's why I took this gap period between high school and college. And that was like the big goal. First, obviously, was to do like 9A, which I did like my first summer after graduating high school and then i the next year i did 515 and the idea of that goal was to be in spain you know or france or whatever because with that like covid happened you know the, the rest is history but so three things i learned from joe one to three things. or not just joe just about my experience climbing there is trying a route like that's really like at your limit just seems kind of just like you just keep investing days into the climb and you'll eventually do it. And like Joe is like obviously a veteran climber and has done that forever. And Bone Tama was like the first climb that I invested more than like five days of effort into or six or seven days of effort into. How many was it? It was like 15 to 17, something around there. But I don't, I don't that's something around that, 15 to 17. Um, But The one thing I had to learn is like, I never knew if I was going to do it or not. Hmm. And that's like something that I never had to experience until that, that climb, because I would specifically choose projects that I could do in a few days. Because growing up, when you're on a trip, when you're on your family trip for a month, you don't want to spend your one month of climbing for the summer, just on one climb and be like, I didn't send anything this year. And you have to go back home to Pennsylvania and go like back to normal life and you're just like, well, damn, I didn't even get to send a climb. So I never invested more than a few days into climbs until like after I graduated high school. So like the first thing that I learned really quickly was like you don't know if you're gonna send the climb or not. And it's a really hard thing to to deal with after like never being a projector before. Because like it's hard to come to terms with failure, you know, especially when it's like some of your first times, luckily I didn't have to do that. And luckily I was able to stay there longer than I planned to send it kind of thing. But even then, like the clock was ticking on like the season ending. Like Mm. I sent the climb the last good day. Wow. The last good day. And like the the days prior to that, they're pretty terrible, pretty terrible. And so that's the first thing. And then the second thing was, for those of you who are listening that don't know what Bontalmock is, it's a cave climb. And cave climbing is so much different. It's like a different game than just like hard, like limestone, like 45 degree overhung or 30 degree overhung climbs. And Joe's a master of cave climbing. Like a lot of his hardest climbs in the country are like these roofs or these huge caves, like in the hurricane or the Finn Cave or... Uh, and rifle even, like the Skull Cave, you know, mm-hmm. where Kinder Cakes is. And he's, like, the master of that. And that's, like, that's his jam, and he owns that stuff. And, like, being able to climb with him and learn a lot of subtle tricks for, like, just body positioning, toe hooking tagging in on holds when you're matching because it saves a little energy mm-hmm. that I never thought of, like, adds up a lot. And that's probably, like, the second main thing. And then... I don't know, the third time... The third thing was just like, I would say, just kind of having fun. Um, Like, at at a point in time in like a long project, like it kind of gets to the point where you're close to doing it and you kind of just have to like grit, grit your teeth and get it done. And being with a partner, I would say, that kind of has like fun while you're climbing and it's just not like clock in, clock out type stuff when you're getting close, I think definitely helps like lighten the mood, Mm. you know? And that's like, like what Joe was as a partner to me. And I think a lot of people have that. And if a lot of people don't have that, they should try to find that because like dedication and also like going to the extreme of the extremes in any sport, having like a person that can like compliment you during like the process is really helpful. And Yeah. I had one more thing that I was going to say that I thought of and I forgot about it, but I would definitely say those are like the three main things. Okay. Yeah.
0: If you think of it, let me know. We can, we can circle back to that for sure. So you're talking about your year off and uh, how up until then you, you only climbed for half the year. And I got a couple of questions about football. Okay. Actually, this one's from Howard. Cam, what position did you play in high school football and did any football skills transfer practically to climbing?
1: Okay, so I played two on both sides of the ball in high school. I played like a slot receiver role and then I played free safety on defense. And I think that, and it was a lot of fun. Like I had so much fun and I would not give that up just to like climb full time as a kid because like some of my best memories in life were playing high school football and like a lot of lessons that I learned from football and like just like perseverance and a lot of stuff that you don't get except for like either real world life experience or like through an extreme sport kind of like football. So going from that, the positions I played, something that carried over from football to climbing a lot was like probably mental resilience. And the biggest thing about like mental resilience in football is like when you fail in football, Everyone sees it and like, it's very hard to make up for like a mistake, you know, especially when you're playing a scope position, you know, like if you're not playing as much of a scope position, your mistakes could kind of blend in mm. with like the other players in the field. And like, but if you, you drop would, a on pass. film, the coaches would like chew you out for messing up like mm. something. But if you're a scope position and you drop a ball, let's say, and you're wide open, it's going to be a touchdown. and It's a close game. Like you really messed up and like, it's really hard to deal with, especially as like a kid. That goes to a big football school in Pennsylvania where a lot's on the line as far as like like the school pride and like your season and stuff. And I, in climbing, you know, if you fall, you have your next go or you have the next day. And in football, I guess you have the next game. But at a certain point in the season, there's not a next game if you mess up or if someone messes up. And I think that's like a really big thing that I like carried from football is just like, Mental resilience and also just like pure toughness and being able to just like push through things. Cause like I was banged up a lot in high school. Like I wasn't the biggest guy. And like people are flying around with metal helmets on and you're getting cracked. And um, yeah, definitely toughened me up. And I'm definitely not as tough as I was when I was like a senior in high school. <laughs> definitely not like climbing softened me up a little bit. Uh, but yeah definitely like mental stuff what
2: sure. what's
0: your um what's your like inner dialogue? I don't know if this ever happened to you, but let's say that scenario that you just described, you're like in the end zone, game winning touchdown potential, you drop the pass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you bounce back from that if the game's not over?
1: Or if it is yeah. over
0: and you have to like bounce back for the next so game. So luckily,
1: I never had a situation where I dropped like a touchdown pass in the end zone to lose a game. So luckily, that was something I never had to experience. Um, but just like in a football game, at least for me, you don't have time to think about your mistakes in the game because the game's moving so fast and it's always on to the next play. And you're playing both sides or like in high school, a lot of the best players play both sides of the ball. So you never like have that break from like the Mm. fight that you get to think about like mistakes because you're always just like playing for the next play. But a lot of that stuff like about your mistakes would come in like right after the game, after like all like after you lose or you win and you like reflect on the game or the day and how you prepared during that week and whatnot. And I think that as far as dealing with that, football is a very team-oriented thing. So luckily you have a team to build you up, or if you have a good team, it builds you up, and hopefully they realize that it's like your one mistake obviously didn't cost the game unless it was like dropping a touchdown pass <laughs> in the end zone, you know? but Right. They're like a team environment. And I think you get that a lot in climbing with your partners. And that's why I was talking about like having a good partner that compliments you when you're going to the very like edge of your limits. You know, when the failure sets in, it's like really hard to deal with yourself when you're putting everything on the line and you fail, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think like football, like having like a brotherhood experience and dealing with that, like it definitely like... Although they're very different sports, they definitely like feelings can relate between mm. them. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. And Thanks. not a lot of climbers played football too. I know Matt Faults did. Yeah, but that's probably it. I don't know. Oh, Steve Petro did. Okay, he's like an old school guy. Though, yeah, I'm so. and
0: that fans. was back when like that type of thing probably like served you better. You know, yeah, like, rugged like off
1: with and like for sure. Back, yeah, yeah, stuff. exactly, exactly.
2: Wait, there's that uh, pro football player. But, you know' oh, I'm talking Les, about, right, sorry, yeah yeah that right guy oh yeah, yeah. my dad's there coached him
1: a little bit really yeah yeah, so <laughs> no way so he's like a he's a offensive guard yeah the Washington commanders and he got into climbing a few years ago because he had like forearm injuries and hand injuries and his like coach was saying he needs to like increase his grip strength you know to prevent these injuries from reoccurring so he gave him like like pinch blocks or like climbing holds and stuff to hang weights from and do like finger curls on. And then it eventually led him to going into a climbing gym and he got addicted to climbing as like most people do. Love that. So he's like this NFL <laughs> offensive lineman that weighs 300 pounds and he can <laughs> climb like V5 now, which is really, really, really impressive. That is so impressive. There's a really and, good
2: article with him. Yeah. That Climbing Magazine wrote. Yeah, okay, I'll check see. it out.
1: And my he's reached out to my dad and he's coached him a little bit. And he's also, like, they've climbed together at the Red for a little bit. And that's pretty cool. And he definitely is psyched to pursue climbing, like, as a full-time gig once he's done in the NFL. He, like, wants to, like, obviously all NFL linemen, like, once they're done playing, they lose a lot of their weight just because it's unsustainable, you know, Mm. being 335 pounds. For your whole life, so he's gonna lose that. Obviously, when you stop weightlifting and training to be an offensive lineman, you lose a lot. So I imagine he'll get pretty good, like with his skill. Like if you look him up, like he's pretty, like he's flexible. He's pretty powerful, and he's like climbs pretty well for a really, really like massive dude. And he'll definitely like be fun to watch, like in the next few years after he like kind of retires from. Pro football. That's rad. Think about how strong his forearms must be. Really strong. And it like 300 pound dude. Yeah, I'm a V5. (laughs) And he just did an interview. Like my dad posted it on his Instagram. Like he got interviewed after like a practice press conference. Like the NFLs like found out that he posts a lot about climbing. You know, and they asked about it. And he was like. Saying how crazy it is, like how much climbing's helped him as an offensive lineman in the wow. NFL, and it's not maybe not the mental aspect of climbing because it's it's more of like a like a lifestyle thing for him. Yeah. But like just like the increased grip strength as someone that pulls their body weight or he climbs with like an eighty pound weight vest on sometimes or a hundred pound weight vest on to be That's like four hundred pounds just as like on like jugs or whatever. Jeez. But. He said it helps in blocking and stuff because it's all with your hands, you know? Wow. Dude, I want to interview this guy, I wonder if I could. You probably should, you probably should. He'd probably be a very interesting interview. I bet he would be. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, he digs climbing and it's pretty cool.
0: And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Petzl. I have been using Petzl harnesses, quick draws and blade devices for more than a decade. I love this company and their products. And today I wanna talk about helmets. One of the things we love about climbing is the unknown. Is that next hold a jug or a sloper? Am I too pumped? Am I good enough to climb this route? We live for the unexpected, but no one expects to hit their head while climbing. Impacts to the front, side, and rear of the head happen when you least expect it. A foot slips, your rope snags on a rock, and you find yourself somewhere you don't wanna be. That's why Petzl goes above and beyond UIAA and CE helmet standards to give you an extra level of protection on the top and side of their helmets. Top and side protection comes standard in their entire helmet lineup, so whether you're in the mountains or at the crag, you can experience the difference with Petzl. You can learn more and shop for helmets at your local climbing shop or online at Petzl.com. Again, shop for Petzl helmets at your local climbing shop or online at Petzl.com. Experience the difference with Petzl. This episode is also brought to you by Chalk Cartel. We haven't heard from these guys in a little while, but I'm still a huge fan. I'm still using their chalk every single day I go climbing. I've been using Chalk Cartel's chalk for about two years now, and it's my favorite chalk I've ever used. If you need to refill your chalk bag, head over to Chalk Cartel and buy yourself a kilo of the stickiest white powder on the market. And if you want to save big, they even sell this stuff in a five-gallon bucket. The bucket is perfect for gym owners, root setters, or for those of you who built a climbing wall in your house during COVID, or if you have a moon board in your garage, or if you're a broke college student, here's an idea. You can use some of those student loans to throw down for a five-gallon bucket of chalk, buy some Ziploc bags from the grocery store, and voila. You'll be the most popular kid in your dorm, slinging bags of chalk to all your friends and making a profit so you can finally buy some climbing shoes that actually fit instead of those old high tops you got from your dad. Okay, what's the moral of this story? Buy some chalk. Head over to chalkcartel.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next purchase and get ready to join the cartel. That's chalkcartel.com, code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off. And get ready to join the cartel. And now, back to the show. Okay, I've got some training questions for both you guys, um, but this one's for you, Cam. This is Xander. Um, Sounds like the answer is no, but Xander wants to know, Cam, do you still play football?
1: So, I mean, I don't play competitively, but... Like when I remember back home, my friends play football every now and then, you know, and we like- Just pick up. Throw the football, you know, pick up in like a park, Mm -hmm. just like with basketball. I watch football a lot. Okay. I'm a huge consumer of football and that's definitely something that I love to do, like especially college and NFL football, yeah.
0: Xander wanted to know if, he he writes, if so, do you train for climbing at all during football season? So let's just take that back, like back when you were Back in high school, so-
1: Okay, so once you get into like junior varsity and varsity football in Pennsylvania, it's a year round gig. Wow. There's like no off season. There is an off season, but like the practices that are optional, are they really optional though? Like if you want to play? Right. So there was like, so it was a huge time dedication, but like during the main football season, which is like August to middle of November, if you go deep into the playoffs, um, I would probably do one climbing workout a week like one legit like climbing workout a week and then maybe one other day I do like hangboarding, but I would be destroyed. Wow. Like, like also like, like we would go in before school to work out and then you'd be at school for eight hours and then you'd have a three and a half to four hour practice after school. And then you have to do your homework. And then you have to do that all again. Like I I was, I like had some crazy weeks through high school and um, I honestly like, couldn't like put a lot of effort into training for Mm. like three months. Like I was one workout a week, maybe two for maintenance. And I would primarily train like max strength because if you're doing like one rope, like gym day a week, you're not going to gain endurance and you're probably going to lose endurance. The one thing you can do is if you prime like your tendons and your pulling power like once or twice a week, you can maintain a good amount of it. Like you'll obviously fall off That's someone that does like two days, like four days a week to going to do two workouts. But as someone who wasn't doing that back in the day and just did two good strength workouts a week, I was able to maintain a level of strength that I wouldn't be taking a lot of time to build back by the winter time, And then I could focus like until the spring of building back my power endurance, building back my aerobic capacity as a sport climber, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. So only a couple of days a week. And it it was definitely hard to like give that up because growing up, I would I would climb most of the summer. So at the end of the summer, I would always be feeling like the most fit I was as a climber for the year. And it was like really sad kind of or <laughs> bittersweet right. to have to like to like feel like you're in your best shape as a climber and then just like basically stop training for three months. Right. You know, and like a lot of people do that that aren't like pro climbers, but it's really, it was like a hard thing to deal with, but it was also cool because then it meant football season was starting. Mm-hmm. It was it was good in its own way.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. You already said that you didn't, you know, you don't regret it. You wouldn't go back and change it because of all the lessons that you learned from football. Yeah.
1: And it's just like, I like my best friends in the world are my football teammates. Cool. And awesome. um, definitely I wouldn't have given up that experience just to like expedite climbing 515 by two years or something like okay. that, you know? Well, I want to ask
0: you what you think it did for you physiologically, because I interviewed your dad and he talked about this and like, this was intentional, you know, I'm sure that you wanted to play football too, but like football's a pushing sport, climbing is a pulling sport and he wanted you guys, you and your brother to be well-rounded athletes. Yeah. So do you feel that it helped you? For sure. Okay. Yeah, like
1: I definitely would say, I definitely like, I would say I'm a pretty good athlete compared to a lot of climbers that just climb their whole life. I didn't play just football like I did um, basketball growing up. I did track and cross country, or not cross country, but I did track in middle school for a few years. So I had like um, multiple different avenues of sports that I played, and I tested out. And my parents really encouraged that, just to like, as like a kid, or even instruments. I played instruments too, just like as a kid. It's it would be a crime as a parent, I think, to like just have a kid do one thing when their brain and their body is just like asking to just be exposed to everything they can be. And then like, obviously as I got older, I dialed, I kind of cut it down to just climbing and football because it would be stupid to do four sports. Like you can be like, like a Jack of all trades is a King of nothing, you know, type of deal. So like it obviously it was impossible to balance. So I picked the two that I liked and then I could have played co- football in college too if I wanted to, but I wanted to try to be a pro climber and push myself on climbing because I felt like as a someone that, like I'm not, I probably wasn't going to make it to the NFL, obviously. Like I wasn't gifted with a large body like, like and like D1 speed. I have more of a climber's body yeah. naturally. So like after, and I was definitely bigger than I am now. Like I weighed like 25 pounds more than I do now oh, in wow. high school or 22 pounds more or whatever, but I was still on the light side. And I definitely would say climbing is, was my biggest passion in life, I would say up to that point. So I'm glad that I kind of took I'm on the path that I am now. And it's a lot more sustainable path. Like for example, Joe is climbing his best at Hell age yeah. 42. Yeah. And there's only person that's playing their best at age 40 in the NFL is Tom Brady, yeah. you know, and he's not like getting hit ever, you right. know, he's like, it's a lot more of like a lesser athletic position, even though it's like the hardest position to play. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot there's a lot of 40 something year old climbers that are crushing it. And my dad's like 58 and he's still climbing 513 plus. And there's other people that are in their 60s like Chuck O'Dette that's climbing 514, you know? So like it's a lifetime sport and um, that's definitely a huge positive in something like football where you're done, mm-hmm. once you're done, you know? Totally. I always think about
0: that with any conventional team sport, like just the void that you must feel if you're a pro and then you turn thirty or thirty-five or forty and you're done. And like you all of a sudden you have to like find a new hobby. Identities like change slightly. I think they just go golfing.
1: Yeah, that's what they all a lot of them do. But how many of them actually like golf, do you think? I don't know. I mean (laughs) I like golf a little bit, but it definitely wouldn't be able to replace the fulfillment I feel from climbing. So
0: Yeah. Drew, how do you feel when you hear him say all that? Like about growing up? I mean, were you singularly focused on climbing as a kid? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like you missed out on on any other stuff or was it just the only thing you wanted to do?
2: Man, like I can't lie, like, yeah, I definitely did miss out on, on a lot of stuff, but it's not because of, like, my parents' choice. Like, I don't know. When I was like 10, I think I won like youth nationals for the first time. It was like my first season competing in bouldering, and I just won nationals. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then from then on, it was like, I want to climb, 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 climb. That's all I want to do. I just want to climb. That's the only thing. I'm going to go to the gym and train, I'm going to go home and train some more like five days a week. like, And the other two days I wanted to, but my dad wouldn't let me because he was like, you can't climb too much because you're going to get injured. You're going to have some like growth plate stuff. And yeah, that caused like a whole lot of fights because I was like, drive me to the gym. And he's like, no, you climbed the last two days. You have to rest today. And yeah, there's so many fights. And now looking back, I'm psyched that he did that because like I've never been injured from climbing and I'm almost like 20 years into it now, like 15 years of like, serious training i guess because i yeah i just started like being really serious about it when i was like eight or nine or something like that um yeah it's funny hearing cam say all this stuff because like i don't know basically from the moment i like really started doing it seriously like it's never stopped and the flames like only gotten brighter for me
1: yeah Mm. and i want to add something in too i think that like a lot of the reason why my dad um or not my dad my parents didn't totally advocate for me to be and my brother to be climbing full time from a young age is just because like they knew that we love this other stuff yeah and there was a point in time like when i like when i was 11 i did like three five fourteens um like out of nowhere and i was like oh my god like i just want to do this full time like i want to be like the next adam andre you know because like at the time adam andre was like the only kid crusher that climbed that hard as a kid you know now there's a bunch of kid crushers that do that but like it was 10 that was 10 years ago but my dad was like, that's fine. And like when you're 15 or 16, we can like decide that. And if you really want to pursue climbing full time, then that's up to you, you know. But then once I became 15 and 16, like it was like I wasn't willing to give up football because mm. I knew I only had two years left. And it's like, you know. That's cool. But like Drew, obviously, like he made a good choice because he still loves climbing more than he ever has, I believe. And he's really good. So it's like the – like it paid off. And I know like as I uh, – to go back – Like, there's quite a few kid climbers that grew up climbing full time that burn out by the time they're 18. They like, that's all they did. They were really good. They probably liked it a lot. But then once they went to college, they realized there was this whole other world out there, you know, and like their kind of passion died down. And luckily for Drew, like, climbing is his main passion in life. So that will never be the case. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not for everyone. And I think as a parent, you definitely have to. Or, I mean, I'm not a parent. I don't want to give parenting advice, but just from like <laughs> obviously being a kid climber, that was good and having parents that were known in the climbing industry. And my dad's a famous climbing coach, that like definitely was like a line that you have to like, like kind of deal with, you know? Sure. Yeah.
2: I mean, I agree with kind of everything Cam said. And I think I've kind of been like a different case in that, mm-hmm. like my brother, for example, my sister, um, Jono actually is getting into climbing again. Um, my parents, they were like, yeah, you're going to have to do a sport or a couple. I don't care what it is. You can do anything. Um, right now, like when he was like eight, nine, 10, there's just like, he didn't have like a desire to do anything. So they're like, cool, you're going to climb because that's going to make it easier for us. Yeah. Mm. Um, And then when he was like 12, he was like, I want to start wrestling. My dad's like, cool, you don't have to climb anymore. You Mm -hmm. can go wrestle. And I mean, Jono made like finals at nationals in like UD or something. Like like he's really talented, Um, but he wanted to wrestle and ski. Oh, and climbing he did. Yeah. Gotcha. But he didn't didn't like climbing. I think part of that was just growing up kind of like being two and a half, three years under me. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's about two and a half years younger than me and having like... Me as the older brother where like i'm winning nationals i'm going to worlds like oh cool i just did like uh like basically borderline 15a or something that assassin climate smith like i did that when i was like 15 i think or something 16 like it's pretty young and makes perfect sense why jonah was like i want to do my own thing but so he wrestled for like six years and i guess that's kind of in line with what cam said where it's just like yeah you don't have to like force your kid to do anything um Kind of just let them figure out what they want to do for themselves. And John realized he wrestled and was like team captain until he went to college. And he's here at Mines with me, like same grade. And he uh didn't want to wrestle here. And then he started climbing again. And dude's climbing like V10 now, like after like a year back. <laughs> wow, he's, pretty badass. He's super fit. Yeah. Like he lifts a lot more than I do. Um Granted, he also trains like five days a week lifting, and I don't really do anything now for that. i <laughs> like but.
1: really jealous that Jono actually like lifts more than him though. So you can't. Oh like, no
2: way! Like like Johnno, bench
1: and deadlift are bigger than Drew's, and that's he benches like, five pounds more than me, dude.
2: Come on, my ratio is better. Your ratio is better. Nice ratio. L plus ratio. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I have to say, man. I mean, credit to both your guys' parents because. Like, two very different approaches here, and you guys both love climbing. You're mm-hmm. awesome guys, and you're crushing in the things that you love. Like, that's, that's pretty rad. I mean, there's credit to your parents, but also it's so fascinating that there's, like, clearly no best way to parent your kids. Oh, you know? yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And I just, like... Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, like I definitely wasn't trying to give any parenting advice. I no, you're just good. Like responding to the question of like like football and like training and for climbing and like the like the philosophy behind like the right. two sport idea as an adolescent. Right. You know. And like diving deeper into that.
0: But let's go even deeper. I got I got a couple of questions about this. And I'm guessing that probably both your dads are gonna listen to this. <laughs> Yeah, oh, sure, absolutely. Sure, <laughs> so yeah. Hey, dad. Has, my dad so, doesn't know
1: I'm doing this right now though. Oh like, really? I, I kind of like wanted it to just pop up, and my dad just be like, "Oh shit!" Like, oh, hey, that's awesome. on the pod, you know? Oh yeah, I actually I did, don't think I'm, I
2: told my I'm like pretty spontaneous with that stuff. Like, my dad, like, we'll like, my dad
1: doesn't know I was here, and I posted an Instagram story, and he was like, "Where are you right now?" I was like, "I'm at with Drew climbing." You didn't know down. you were in Colorado? No, but that was also like a last minute trip, you know. But like, I'm 21, like I don't have to tell my parents everything I do at all times, you know? Yeah. But my I parents like, like, like it, it. to be a surpriser, you know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. My
0: parents always ask like what state I'm in when I talk to them on the phone. Because um, I do the same thing. I catch up with them every two or three weeks usually. Um, but yeah, so I got a couple questions about this specific thing. Eli wanted to know for both of you guys, what did they, and, and yeah, obviously like whatever you're comfortable with saying here, but what did they love slash hate about being kid crushers? What do they appreciate about how their parents handled their climbing lives? A.K.A. tell us parents what to do or not to do to raise good humans who climb freaking hard.
1: Yeah. And I think like, like I don't know if you want to go first or not. Go for it. Okay. So I think like like you said, it's a case by case basis because every kid's different. And I know that the way my parents handled like parenting a kid crusher that like was really good from a young age and had a lot of potential, but also was good at other sports. I can see how some parents would potentially want to push their kid to doing the thing they're really, really good at, you know, just because like, as a parent, you want them to be as successful as possible. And my parents obviously want that from me as well, but they saw the benefit in being like exposed to different aspects of life. And I'm really, like, I'm really thankful that they advocated for that because like I said, a lot of my best experiences in my life this far from like my high school experience playing football and a lot of who I am is from that. And... Yeah. So that's the advice I would give. And I also think, like, definitely not like, I would say not pushing too hard because, like, as a teenage dude, like, that's a lot of like a lot. The last thing you want is like your dad just like being on your ass about training every day, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and it kind of has to come from within, like Drew was saying, like, he was the one begging his dad to take him to the gym more. It shouldn't be the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably pretty obvious to understand.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it before. Like I've seen parents pushing their kid too hard, causing a huge burnout. Like I think just based on like my parents, what they did for me, which is like kind of the only real data point I have, like they just, if you have the means to like facilitate what your kid wants to do, especially if they like show talent at something like, I don't know, when I was like, yeah, nine, 10, like all I wanted to do was climb. I just think about climbing I'd go on YouTube and watch climbing. When I wasn't in school, I was like somehow like trying to like be a better climber, like even at that young age. So like, I guess my dad recognized that. My mom didn't for like a little bit until she kind of like, I guess, put two and two together. Like, oh yeah, Drew really does like this. And like my parents were getting into like fights because my mom thought my dad was pushing me. And my dad mm. was like, I'm trying to get him to like slow down. Like it's <laughs> you know, he's going way too hard right now. Um but i think yeah as a parent like it's your job to like find out who your kid is and help foster that not like push them into a mold mm. if the mold is like cam said like being exposed to a lot of different things and seeing what they want to do best like that's great if your kid happens to like be somewhat of a nutcase like me and just you know single minded like i just want this one thing like i just want to climb then facilitate that but yeah it's like the the kid like especially for a kid crusher or whatever, I just had a drive Mm. to just train, to just be better every single day. That's all I wanted. And just wanted to look back and be like, I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. And I just tried, I did everything I could for like a decade to be able to say that was true, like most days. And my dad didn't push me. He just helped me Mm. reach those goals, basically. And same with my mom. They both just like did what they could to, you know. I like, was a kid, I, I couldn't buy a plane ticket to go to a training camp. Like, I didn't have my driver's license. Like, I couldn't go down to Smith Rock, but my dad could drive me and belay me. And I'd be like just beating my head against the wall all week. And he's like, yo, maybe chill out. <laughs> like, maybe take a break. And I'm like, no, I want to do this climb. And I don't know. It's my parents are like really good at facilitating just whatever I needed to do to like kind of reach my goals. They were there to help that. But they weren't there to like push me to do something that I maybe didn't want to do. That's some word. wisdom. Thanks, guys.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Were you
2: uh, going to say something?
1: No, I just said a word because that's like pretty, pretty, dope, <laughs> yeah. Like pretty dope.
0: yeah. Okay. One more question about this for you, Cam. This is from Christoph. Cam, what was it like growing up with a well known coach for a dad? Do you still, does he still coach you? Or do you have plans to split
1: off and create your own plans or get coaching by someone else? So, um, I've been coached by other people slightly, but my dad is the main coach of my brother and I throughout our entire life. Um, it was very, very, it's like right now it's very advantageous, um, as a kid, you didn't really appreciate it that much sure, because yeah. it's just like, that's all you knew is like your dad he's Eric cursed. He's the training guy and he's very yeah, low in your in basement. Time. So like we would go down and train with him and he'd coach us and write our workouts and we'd just like follow them. Cause that's all we knew, <laughs> but like not every kid has that. So we were obviously very lucky and a lot of people would love to have that. And now that I'm like an adult, that's like kind of on their own training. Like I definitely realized like, I was very lucky to have that, like, access to, like, a coach. And, like, because I wasn't on a climbing team, like Drew and a lot of the other people, like, they had access to the coaches that were really good through their climbing team. But since I wasn't on that, like, my dad was my coach. So that definitely is why we were as good as we were as climbers because my dad definitely, like, helped create the path as far as, like, training and climbing goes. And then, like, in the future, I think that, like, I definitely want to – give back to the climbing community in some way as far as like giving training advice or coaching and stuff like that. Like I've seen you, you've started Yeah, I made to do some that. videos on YouTube. Yeah, I made yeah. some videos on YouTube. I'm going to like try to redesign my website and like do some training stuff on that. Um, My dad has like Fizzy Vantage now. So like his training for climbing persona is definitely like, he still like does his training podcasts and he does, like his training cafes on YouTube where he talks training, but like the majority of his energy is invested into growing PhysiVantage because that's his passion mm. and it's what he's psyched on right now. And definitely like if I can help like keep the training for climbing, um, like brand alive and thriving in the future, I definitely love to add to it because like I was in my dad's ear for the last 20 years. So I know a lot. And I'm also like in school for exercise physiology. Oh, cool. So yeah. Um, Like I'm definitely trying to like know scientifically and like know the game and understand the game, as far as training and nutrition goes, for sure.
0: Yeah. So that's super cool, man. Because it seems to me, I mean, not knowing you, really not knowing your family, it just seems like growing up in that scenario is just such a coin toss. Like, you know, you could have just gone the other way and been like, I'm. I'm so sick of this. You know, I need to do something. Yeah. Something new. And that's probably like,
1: that's probably why like my parents pushed us to do like other sports as well or not pushed us, but like, like showed us like that we could do other sports because like my dad, like his life is built around climbing in one way or another. And it definitely is a different like aspect than someone that's like just a good like really good kid climber but their parents like aren't climbers you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's definitely like a different like dynamic i would say but i mean it was really fun i mean my family traveled together from the time we were really good like really young until like recently when like now that my brother and i are out of the house we do these family road trips and we go to the red and the new climbing together and it was a good time and it was like very supportive like we always had dedicated partners and you know, like everyone would be down to get up at this time to support the other person. And yeah, it was a good time. And it was like, very rare thing, I would say, that families travel together climbing. Like yeah. Often, often. That's but special,
0: yeah. man. I mean, it's a. I think it's a rare thing these days that um, a son like, like takes the torch from the dad. Like I'm going to, yeah. you know, hopefully carry this business yeah. forward. And yeah. And I definitely like,
1: it. I definitely don't want to start like selling knowledge until like I have my T's dotted or my I's dotted and my T's crossed as far as knowing the game like my dad does because that's a huge credibility thing and that's why I'm going to school for it. Cool. Because my dad doesn't go to school for exercise physiology. He's a meteorologist, but he did spend 20 years reading and being like the, ahead of the game as far as climbing training goes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I'm psyched on that and I'm really psyched to learn more and keep drawing my knowledge further than just like climbing hard
0: yeah awesome okay that's a good segue another question from Xander for both of you Um, because it's interesting Drew that you just said like talking about your brother and weightlifting stuff like I don't really do that anymore Um, so this is a this is a perfect question I've been curious about it too Um, how would you describe your training regimen throughout the year and how do you balance training with sending do you cycle between training hard and climbing hard or can both happen concurrently you want to go first, Drew?
2: Sure. Um, So I trained a lot when I was younger. Like there's a point for like three years about where I was probably lifting the same amount that I was climbing. Like I was wrecked on a day-to-day basis. And after doing that, like I'm not as physically strong right now in that as I was, but that's because I don't do it anymore to the same degree that I did
0: how much you bench bro
2: so when I was in high school I did 220 at 120 which I was wow <laughs> yeah but I never <laughs> nice. hit two plates and then that was like five years ago um, 220 at 120 pounds yeah that's like I guess I lifted dude. a lot yeah. and like this April or whatever I did a two week bench cycle or three week bench cycle maybe four weeks I don't know a short amount of time like as far as it goes and I hit 225 like pretty chill okay um And so like, I think if I were to start lifting seriously again, to the degree that I was like something like a two times body weight ratio for bench would, I weigh a little bit more right now, but I think I could honestly get up to like 275 as like kind of an upper body specialist, which I weigh like 130 ish right now. So that's like, yeah, really good ratio. Um, But I only do that when like, I feel really weak. And sometimes it's like snowing a lot. And I'm like, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to do like a three-week cycle or something. Like just enough to like get my muscle fibers firing again. Um, like I'm not trying to build strength anymore because I feel like I kind of have that. You're just like tapping back in. Yeah, it's just getting everything to like work again. Like even if I bench like right now or something, um, I'll probably be sore for like a few days since everything wakes up again. And then after like the training I do right now, like I don't really recommend it too much for anyone because like I think the training that I used to do definitely like influenced the way I climb right now and it influenced the way I I can train in the future. Mm. Um, But yeah, I like barely do anything. Like sometimes I'll like go climbing in the gym after and just have fun doing stuff. Like every now and then I'll do like weighted pull-ups. Like I started doing uh, that four week cycle that I was talking about. I would do a two by two. Weighted pull-ups, mm. um, two sets of two reps, and that's what like my weighted pull-up is like 180 pounds added <laughs> on 130 for like one rep. And <laughs> <laughs> why why do you do that do you instead do of dog?
1: yeah exactly?
2: Why don't you just do one arms? That sounds well, so, I could so do painful, like, dude. Well, like I could the... do like twelve or thirteen like static one arms. I could Why do not just w- like hold a kettlebell in your other hand and do like... You think weight. I don't do that? Like I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like I did a static one arm with like 45 pounds after Jeez. not too much training. But the reason I did the weighted pull-ups was because of uh, there's a beast fingers comp that was like all like lifting stuff. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so I wanted to like win that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's valid. Yeah. So that, that's why I did that. But I don't know the the two by two for me, like that's what made the biggest difference in my weighted pull-ups. So I used to do them a bit and... You know, I'd try a bunch of different rep schemes. Like I'd go up in weight, hit like a single or something at like ninety percent, like go down, do like a double. Like I just tried a bunch of different things. And it was more just like seeing what worked for myself and whatnot. And then it was like, Oh wow, like the less I do, like the stronger I'm getting, like way faster. Like every Mm. single like session, I'd add five more pounds and I'd be like, Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Again, oh cool. (laughs) Dang. and then that just kept going up until I was like, "Cool, I have four forty-five pound plates on." And Jesus, damn! <laughs> How often were you training like that when you were doing that? Like, uh, like three days a week or four days a week? Okay, I would like.
0: I mean, that makes sense then, because if you're doing more reps, like, like if you did a five by five, you just like. It's just more work like yeah. once a week or something. But or maybe.
2: I would just like, cause I was still climbing outside a ton. Okay. And so I still wanted to like continue sending projects. I didn't want to like really destroy myself. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, I had the base of like doing a bunch of weightlifting for like when I was 15 to like 19 years old. Like I lived in like the weight section of the gym. Mm. Um, and then for me, like the maintenance of like, being able to just do like a little bit of bench and like a little bit of chest stuff and then rest the day. And then the next day do a little bit of bicep, a little bit of like weighted pull up lat stuff. Um, More just kind of like, yeah, this is gonna get my muscles firing again. Like I'm not trying to get stronger right now, but oh dang, look, I actually am getting stronger. That's sick. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't as pointed because when I'm like lifting to get stronger at lifting, like I feel it on the boulders. And Mm. when I'm lifting for like, maintenance or for a competition that I'm like trying to win or whatever um it's like I still get stronger just not as fast but I don't feel wrecked when I climb outside okay so when you were
0: 16 to 19 lifting for the sake of getting stronger at lifting why did that feel important at that time in your climbing
2: uh my coach told me I was too weak (laughs) is that Tyson yeah um I was good at ropes but I was just getting to the point where I was like Yeah, I think my actual physical strength is what's holding me back. And then I lifted until that was not the case anymore. Mm. And then now it's like definitely not the case. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really need to do like physical stuff. I think it's more like mental training for me. Mm. Like I was kind of saying earlier, being able to like see a project through, like learn beta easier, um, just continue like doing climbs in a certain way that like builds confidence. Like right now, it this stage in my climbing like that's more important to me than like oh yeah let's go from like 10 one arms to 21 arms or something like <laughs> that's not going to make like the same amount of difference for me that I would really right. have like a few years ago.
0: Okay. Cool. Okay, I'm going to summarize all that. So you have this to answer Xander's question, you have this massive base of training. So now you're just focusing on trying to perform
2: mm-hmm. and you're
0: doing like the bare minimum amount of supplemental training you can to just like <laughs> tap back into some of that- Probably less that than have. the bare
2: minimum, like honestly. basically none, it sounds like. Yeah, basically none. Okay. I just go climbing outside and I've continued getting stronger outside and continued doing like more hard boulders per year outside off of like not really doing anything. And so yeah, sometime in the future, it, it'll be time for me to like, you know, maybe once I do like a 17 and a couple more 16s, it's like, all right, like I need to level up again. Like Mm. I'm going to be living in my basement, like just training for a while. Like I'm not focusing on outside right now because it's been like basically almost three years at this point since I've only been focused on outside. And like, man, every single week I go out at least like four times or something. Like I think the last... There's maybe been like five or 10 climbing days that I've had outside where I'm climbing and I'm trying something easier than B14. Like I'm always on like actual limit boulders for myself. And after doing that for a long enough time, it's just like, I've just gotten like my day-to-day routine is like, yeah, pull the hardest move you can basically.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating, dude. I have to... It's like blowing my mind, but I just have to like remind myself of all the training that you did before, like all the base that you have um, from all those years as a kid. Because for me, I mean, like the the thing that comes up on the podcast all the time is like consistency, but variety, you know, it's like mm-hmm. keep climbing or keep training or doing something all the time, but like mix it up to keep it fresh and whatever. So it's, yeah. it's fascinating to hear that you're, I mean, of course you're getting variety because every single boulder is different, mm-hmm. but the fact that you're just doing like high intensity like short for the most part, boulders for three years straight, four days a week
2: is like mind blowing to me. But <laughs> that's just, yeah. Like I was saying with the rope stuff right now, like I'm not going to only do this for the rest of my life. Like mm-hmm. it'd be really cool to get into other stuff, other forms of climbing as well. Like do some like big ass 20 mile like ridge link ups, like climb five, six or whatever like that's a pretty beasty endeavor. Like that's a whole lot of hiking round trip. Like, Does that sound appealing to you? At some point, I think it'd be fun to suffer in that way. (laughs) Okay. Um, Doing some big walls, like doing a bunch of 515s or something. Like, I don't know. There's so many other ways of climbing, but like right now while I'm at like my physical peak, like doing the stuff that takes a physical peak to be at kind of is like the most appealing. Rad, cool. Okay, Cam. Do you what need me to?
0: The question? Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. read the question again. Uh, again, this is from Xander. How would you describe your training regimen throughout the year, and how do you balance training with sending? Do you cycle between training hard and climbing hard, or can you do both concurrently?
1: Ah, uh, so I think like an important thing to differentiate, like before talking training, is like a boulder, Their training regime is significantly different than obviously a high-end sport climber, and. Um, like people that like, if, if you want to just go outside sport climbing indefinitely for three years, it's not, it's not going to be the, like you're not going to get the same results as someone that does that for bouldering because climbing sport routes, you're engaging your energy systems in different ways throughout different routes. And in bouldering, if you're doing like these 20 move or less boulders, you're engaging one energy system, which is your anaerobic energy system. So... Although it's very hard and like something I couldn't do and whatnot, like like a sport climber's training like regime and the relationship between training and outdoor climbing has to be a lot more complex and refined than someone that is an outdoor boulderer. I would
2: agree with that
1: for yeah, for the enough. energy system standpoint and a lot of other stuff too. Right, because um,
0: Drew's kind of strength training every time he yes, goes out. Yes, and you're strength so, training, yeah. and
1: like like he doesn't need to train his aerobic capacities, like uh power endurance energy systems and whatnot, because he's doing like, although the boulders are different, so he's getting that variety. So he doesn't burn out. Like he's not just climbing Megatron every day until he sends it. But since you're only engaging that one energy system, it's not as complex of a training like cycle or arc as you would as a sport climber. And that's why I personally like sport climbing a lot more. It's a lot more complex, but I would say that as a sport climber that trains a lot, I think that it's good to have a training cycle every now and then and then X amount of time to send. And I think for everyone that's a little different but if you go on a sport climbing trip for let's say a month at like the two week mark by after not training your max strength is going down. Mm. Like every day it's going down. And so if you're going on a three month long climbing trip, most sport climbers that push themselves say or would say I'm on a trip for more than a month, I'm feeling wrecked by the time I'm done because like their body is just losing all of its fitness that it's built up. And even like your aerobic capacity declines unless you're taking like one or two days a week on your trip to do a crap ton of routes at the crag, which most sport climbers don't do. Like most sport climbers just like warm up, try their project a few times and may or may not do a cool down route, which is not a sustainable thing. And it's different as a boulder, if you're just going out and- sessioning on this block and then the next day you're sessioning on another hard block and you're training that energy system and you're keeping your max strength, you know? And the only thing that would decline that is if you are not taking enough rest, you Mm know? And when Drew was saying he was going out four days a week, that's a good balance. For hard bouldering, you know. Yeah, usually don't. He's not. He's for, not good. He's not true. seshing six yeah. days a week and then taking one rest day. You know, he's not seshing V16 six days a week and then taking one rest day. You know, so that then that would be a recipe for disaster after three years. But luckily, Drew's obviously smart and knows not to do that. But as a sport climber, I would say do like four to eight week training blocks where you're like at the beginning focusing on like more strength stuff in the middle, focusing more on like power endurance stuff. And then at the end, focusing on that aerobic capacity, that's like a good layout. But you can't only obviously focus on that one thing during those two weeks or you will suffer in those other domains, you know? So you got to always be like, if you're in a strength cycle, you got to be doing at least one or two like days where you're getting like a good pump in a week, you know? But then when you're getting towards the end of the cycle, you can't just do two weeks of not doing any, max bouldering or max hangboard or weighted pull-ups because then that two-week clock is ticking like you're on that trip already you know Mm -hmm. so it's a lot it's a very complex thing and like it's a case-by-case basis thing it's a project thing it's the length of a trip thing and obviously like i can't answer all that (laughs) one question but it's very it's really fun to like like assess you know and like figure out like how can you attack this training block in the correct way as possible for you for, to be the most prepared for the route that you're going for or the area you're going for. And that's like what I'm in right now for like the, the Utah trip in October, you know, and it's fun. And it also keeps you psyched to train and you don't get burnt out like only climbing outside, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and I think like if you live, another cool thing too is like if you're in a training cycle, you're like you don't necessarily need to stick to only climbing in the gym. For six weeks or eight weeks or however long your like your cycle is, if you live near outdoor climbing, because you can design your workouts at if you go to a crag around a specific energy system or like workout. So like what I'm gonna plan to do and install when I'm living in Salt or now that I live in Salt, Lake is although I'm going to do those volume days in the gym, you know, for the rope climbing, I'm going to at least once a week do like like a day outside where I either try a hard route and pair that as, like, a second session of the day after, like, a max strength session or do a, like, a day where I go out and do, like, a lot of submaximal climbing just as, like, a mental break from training. And also, it's, like, training the aerobic system, you know, the aerobic capacity, which is something that I lack historically. Mm -hmm. And that's a cool thing you can do. And you can do that for bouldering as well if you're in a training cycle. I just think that, like, as a boulderer, the amount of exercises you need to do to become better is a lot more limited and like a lot of boulders can just do some minimal gym training and just go hard at the crag and if they stay uninjured they can progress through the grades i would mm. say you know at least those who had a training base in the background you can just like obviously pull someone off the street and tell them to go bouldering every day and they progress <laughs> the same way drew has had right. you know right 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 yeah
0: well this is really interesting because i I actually, I had a conversation with your dad, with Eric. Yeah, this um, to that
1: podcast.
0: This was a different one. We were talking about Fizzy Vantage stuff and it was unrecorded. It was off the record. Oh, nice. Okay. And I was just picking his brain because I was like, I've always kind of, um, like the last two years for me, I've been kind of hybrid, like half my time is bouldering, half my time sport climbing, and I want to get a lot better at both. And I've had this question of like, to what extent should I try to be maintaining the bouldering strength when I'm on a sport climbing kick and vice versa? And um, your dad was encouraging me to just, I was going to go to Waco for two months and he's like encouraging me to at least do like a once weekly aerobic sort that's of a, capacity That's exactly what I was saying. Maintenance yeah, yeah. thing, yeah. And I ended up not doing that. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting because he told me I don't know how you came up, but he said that he had encouraged you to do that, Drew, like during this time where you're focused on bouldering. And I'm just curious what your feelings are about it. Like you're obviously choosing to just fully focus on what's in front of you. But I see it time and time again too, where like all the really strong boulderers seem to be able to switch to sport climbing. And within about a season, just like crush, you know, like the V15 boulderer climbs 15B after like one season of,
1: of well, projecting. They're, so. they're also the 15B they're climbing though is most likely a bouldery 15B, you know? That's fair. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think there's like different things about that where like, I guess it's like kind of a multi-part question or statement, but like someone who climbs really powerful V15, like, yeah, their background isn't as a rope climber. Like they're not an endurance athlete likely, but the moves that they can pull, like any move on a 15B is going to be so easy if you have the V15 power. Like, and then it's just like, oh, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Like all the moves are easy. I just need a baseline of fitness where I can just get up it without getting pumped enough that I'll fall off. And it's a lot harder. I think to go from like endurance, I guess it depends what kind of athlete you are. Like for me, I'm like not an endurance athlete, like my max strength, like it just stays. Like it, I don't, I guess that might be from the bouldering or something like that. But like, I don't need to like train strength at all. Like I just have it and I keep getting it even if I don't do anything. But the endurance, like I was saying earlier, like I lose that very fast. It might be different for Cam because he like definitely has like a larger background in sport climbing than me. And I know I've talked to uh, Jonathan Segrist before and he's like, when I talked to him, he's like, yeah, the, the power for me is really hard. Like, you know, I just. Like, I just won't get, like, I keep my endurance if I, like, don't climb for a while. But, like, getting stronger is, like, the harder part. And for me, it's, like, yeah, the getting stronger is, like, not that bad. It's, like, the, man, how do I not get pumped on this? (laughs) And I think the aerobic thing that Eric was talking about, um, I might have asked him about, I don't, I remember asking him, I don't remember what it was in reference to. It might have been some, like, longer boulder or something like that. But I have noticed that where, like, I just, yeah, started rope climbing again, like once a week, but it's because of these long boulder problems. Like it's not affecting my like, like power at all. Like all the moves are still fine. I just get like a little too pumped and I fall at the end on like a V5 section just because I'm so gassed. And that for me is like, all right, I can just supplement by doing like literal like 13A or something in the gym, 13B, like really chill considered to like the moves I'm going, but just that like blood flow that you're getting through that and just being able to like hold on for 50 moves even if they're a lot easier like you don't get that by bouldering outside you get like two or three moves at a time like mm-hmm. sometimes for longer boulders like 10 15 20 moves but it's nowhere near the same as just like holding on to like by the same metric like jugs on like a 13a in the gym compared <laughs> to like a v15 endurance boulder right. Right. um and so i think like yeah it depends like like where your background is as like an athlete like the, train, the endurance training, like, makes a huge difference on me, for me on endurance boulders. And the endurance training would make a world of difference if I were to, like, start rope climbing immediately, basically. Like, I'd need to do training to, like, expedite what I'd get from climbing outside. Um, but, like, the strength, like, maybe for Cam, if you, like, were to stop, like, going on rope trips and just, like, do a like a two-month bouldering thing, like I want to send this boulder here or whatever, like it's four moves or something, like you definitely probably get like a lot more out of doing hangboarding or like trying really hard boulders or something like that just because it's like not the norm, I guess. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Like my norm is not endurance. Right. And so the endurance helps. Well, I'm curious though. I mean, knowing that you eventually want to go back to hard sport
0: climbing, does any part of you feel like you should be maintaining the aerobic system more or do you just know that like (laughs) it'll it'll, it'll, it'll come back
2: (laughs) it'll it'll come back Um, it'll come back yeah every time i like go through like a rope season and then boulder season like i did that in youth climbing a lot granted it's not like three years it's more like six months on six months off the first month kind of sucked the first few weeks like oh my god those were awful but then it just comes back Mm -hmm. and i think for me like that's another like training base like i did have like a period of time where i was doing so much ropes like i don't know tyson would do this thing with me where i do like eight five twelves in a row or something for like
1: aerobic capacity yeah
2: for like five set i like could be climbing for like 20 25 minutes 30 minutes i'd do like 300 or 400 moves in a row <laughs> they weren't that hard but it's like building up the capillaries in your arm it's similar to like tour de france bikers like mm. going for a really long mellow easy ride mm. like even though it doesn't feel like training because it's not like you know, super hard, painful. It hurts. Like it's uncomfortable. It's like necessary at some point. Um, Yeah. I think like,
1: and that's like something that my dad was recommending you do one day a week on mm -hmm. a bouldering trip. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. But it it depends if you're like trying to maintain something. Like if you're going from a bouldering trip to a sport climbing trip, probably want to maintain. If I'm like, no, I'm just going to be bouldering only for a couple of years. Like there's for me, at least, like, there's not really a point, like, trying to maintain, like, rope fitness that I need to, like, climb really hard on ropes. Like, yeah. I'll just suffer for a couple months and get it back at the end of it. That makes sense. Cool. Thanks, guys.
0: Um, I have a question from Bryce. Let's see here. This is a, this is an, a caveat or an extension to the last question. Um, to the degree that you can train and climb hard concurrently, how do you maintain or even gain strength while working hard outdoor days into your program? And he writes, I've always been a weekend warrior, but I'm about to hit the road for for a year to climb full time. Psych is high, but I have a hard time believing I can substitute three to four days a week in the gym for two to three days a week outside and not get weak.
1: What is he, what is he saying? Like, how to, he, he, said how he, do he, he said he thinks he needs to go in the gym a few days a week. He's going to hit the
0: road for a year and he's worried about getting weak. What should he do?
1: Okay. So I think that he should definitely not, is he, is he a sport climber or boulder? Does it say or no? Ooh, that's, a, that's an important question. He doesn't say. Yeah,
2: that's actually the defining the question. The defining question. I, question. Think. I think
1: yeah, like yeah. if he's going bouldering for a year, I think he should just like not boulder too many days in a row and then he <laughs> can boulder for a year. Yeah. But as a sport climber, he should definitely like once a month do like a week or two in the gym. Okay. Like maybe do like three weeks, one week in the gym, three weeks, one week in the gym mm. type of deal.
2: Even for bouldering, that could help too. And even
1: that could help for bouldering, yeah.
2: Um, Why
0: do that instead of just like having one day every week on the moon board or something like that if you're sport climbing?
1: Well, you could you could do that. It's just that like personally, like if I'm like, if I go to this area and I want to send this climb, I want to send that climb. You just want to go to like I don't want to go hard in the gym one day a week because that means I'm going to have to rest one day. And then try the climb again. So then you're only trying your climb like two days a week. And then like it might take you four times as long to send the climb than you need to. When in reality you could like do a few weeks, send your project, and if you don't send your project in a few weeks, then go to the gym and then either come back or move on, and you have your strength reutilized rather than and you just mostly like
0: focus on strength.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going for a week, and I think that like a week is like like a good amount of time to like build back the power you lost, if you keep doing that every once a month. But if, if you're going like, if he does like the first three months of his trip and just travels and climbs and is like living, then going to the gym for one week, isn't going to suffice that three months of strength that he lost given he's a sport climber. Mm. But and, two or three weeks in the gym. Might. But two or three weeks in the gym, will get back. Like I generally like, like right now I'm three weeks into my six week cycle that I'm doing. And right now I'm like feeling pretty good. Like I'm thinking like I can go outside and do some cool sport climbing. But, so I'm back to where I was, you know, but the the gang is gonna come in the next two weeks, you know, and then, or the next two to three weeks, and then you do a little decline into your trip, you know? A little taper. A little taper, yeah. And if you're doing like an eight week training block, which this is totally not a part of the question. It would probably help within the middle of that eight-week training block to do a like a deload week mm-hmm. and then go the next four weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's what you should do. Definitely do like a week every few weeks in the gym.
2: Yeah, that's enough, like a week, like Cam was saying, like one day might not be enough. That might just tire you out in the gym. Mm-hmm. Like maybe exactly. It's, maybe it's good for confidence or something, but like you don't really gain anything. By, it's like if you're going to climb inside... Only once a week, like you might as well just climb outside for that day. In hmm. all honesty, that's interesting because
1: I, I. Had, it depends on the exercises,
2: you're, yeah. right?
0: I was thinking like, like for example, I'm going back to St. George. I want to like go all in on some sport climbs from like February till May. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking maybe I'll just moonboard once a week to like keep the power topped up. But this is a really interesting idea. This like changes. This makes well. Me if like you're going really for like how that.
1: many months? You're going for three months. Yeah. I think like, I mean, you can. Test it out, but I think it would be probably smart to do like two weeks or three weeks of just like your hard climbing with like other, like not just only projecting, but also like doing days where you're sending stuff. And then once that two and a half, three weeks hits, like go to contact and do like a few strength days, you know, like one day on, one day off, or two days on, one day off, two days on, two days off, and do like a week of training and then go back to your hmm. your thing. Um, And I think that would be a good thing. But I think it's also probably effective that if you did one or two sessions, like training power on a rope climbing trip, it could probably help you. But I just, I don't know, I personally wouldn't do that. But I think like there is benefits from both
2: both ways there's like no right way to do it for sure Mm. like personally like i don't really notice anything off of like one day in the gym but i do notice something after a week in the gym and Mm. like a couple weeks in the gym i really notice something if i'm like there for a reason like there for a specific training purpose um and that's where the like just one day a week like you could go to mo's and try some like hard crimpy boulders like that would that would serve the same purpose as a moon board probably i mean obviously there's like subtle differences and whatever but if the point is like training power and like jumping to some small holds and getting crimp strength like I could write you a list of boulders at most mm. to go do and that <laughs> way you're outside again and it's like the same deal kind of yeah um but if you're trying to like yeah keep power or something like that it's pretty hard to be like just even a short four day like four training days or five training days in a week in the gym
1: yeah and you could like design it too for yourself you know like if you were psyched to boulder and mo's a little bit or like Whatever you could like the first month of the trip or whatever do like a couple bouldering days, a couple sport climbing days a week, then like right in the middle of your trip, just like go to the gym for a couple weeks and just get strong again and do also do some rope climbing in contact, and then you can just like go back to doing the same p- program or mm-hmm. just like projecting, you know, but yeah,
2: I guess for the guy that's like the going on the for Bryce, yeah from yeah, Bryce. For Bryce. Like it depends where you're climbing. Like maybe there's going to be a situation where like a snowstorm is going to screw your boulders for a week or something like that. Like here in Colorado that happens and Utah that happens. Like you will just be chilling and then all of a sudden like boom, a foot of snow out your door. You're not climbing outside in that. Mm -hmm. That's a good time to just go to the week and like train up a little bit again. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a direct formula where like, I mean, on average, like yeah, every three weeks or something, every four weeks, it'd be good to like do a bit of training, but it's not like, a, oh man, I'm on like week four and a half. Like I, I need to do it now. Like always just listen to your body and see what you need. But I think doing the like supplemental training every now and then for like a week cycle would probably be the most beneficial like long-term for like a yearly or a year long um, climbing trip.
0: That's a good point too, about where you are. I mean, that's something to consider too, Bryce. Like When I was in Waco for two months, I didn't feel like I had to do any strength training in addition to just going climbing. Yeah. Yeah. But at Smith, like, I had to lift twice a week all the time or else I just felt like my body was getting weak. Yeah, for sure.
1: And, like, if he's going on a year-long climbing trip, who's to say he's not going to some bouldering areas and some sport climbing areas Mm -hmm. and he could – line the seasons up for the different areas to kind of go in and out of, like go bouldering for a few weeks when your power's feeling down and then you can go back to sport climbing. A lot of pros did that historically, you know, like right. instead of training, they just like, when they started feeling weak, they're like, damn, I need to go bouldering. And they bouldered for a month and then they got strong again and then they <laughs> went back to the sport climbing projects, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not a recipe for long-term like gains, you know, that's why all the best climbers in the world now obviously train. Mm. But for a year-long trip, like that, could be a good like schedule to get on, and whatnot. Hell yeah! Thanks,
0: guys. Yeah, I think that was all the patron questions. That was super helpful. I want to respect you guys' time. I know you guys have yeah. have dinner to eat. It's, the man's, it's the man's
1: birthday tomorrow. Yeah, oh, I
0: know. I got to crack open the tequila. <laughs> um, but I have a few, a few more questions for each of you. I kind of asked Drew something like this already, but I'm going to ask you, Cam. What? for you personally, feels like the ultimate achievement in your future of rock climbing? Like, is there a grade, a route, something? So,
1: like, right now, I'm definitely trying to send 9B, 15B. Just, like, in the next couple years, that's my goal. Uh, And, like, as a a larger picture goal, like, I think it would be really cool to, like, really just – see how far I can go as far as pushing the grades in sport climbing. But I do think that as someone that barely boulders ever, well, I boulder in the gym and I do a lot of strength training in the gym. I think like after I do nine B, I think I'm going to spend like a good portion of time, like trying to do some hard boulders Mm. before like I push that like next level, you know? And I think that's a good, like a good deal to get on just because like, once you get to that hard of sport climbing, like you need to be able to do like a V13 on a route, like pretty chill, you know? And like yeah. V13 isn't very chill for me right now. Like I gotta <laughs> try hard. So, I mean, you could maybe find like, like, I guess there's only a few five fifteen scenes in the world. I mean, maybe like the ones in like flat anger where you're climbing for 300 feet don't have a V13 on them, you know? But that's not something I'm really psyched on. Mm. But definitely like, pushing as far as I can go sport climbing, like really seeing like my limit in that. And that's like a part of the reason why I moved to Salt Lake because I can finish school there and I can really find my potential there. Um, One of my bigger goals is to like live in Europe for a year, I think after Mm. I'm done with school, because like a lot of like, there's no 15C in America. So like if I could theoretically do 15B before I finish school in the next two years, then I can spend a year in um like doing that like 15B and then also like really solidifying 9A9A plus 9A+, like just to have that base which I've done with 9A recently but I haven't done that with 9A plus um do that with 9A plus here in the States because there's a couple good ones that I wanna do. What and is what
0: does solidify mean to you? Just
1: like like do like I've done one. I think like doing like having done five okay or something like that like an arbitrary number where you're like like getting like solidifying a grade i think means like when you pull up to the climb like you're pretty sure you'll be able to do it with enough work you know mm. like and like drew's trying to solidify probably like v16 or v15 right now like he's probably he's solidified v15 like he knows he can do it but like v16 is like so you're solidifying them like when you pull up you know that like It's like not in the bag, but like with enough effort, you can do it. Like you're not going to have to train specifically for the route, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what I want to get to. I think like all, like everybody that's climbed 9B plus definitely has that. Like the ability to be like the dispatch a 15A just like with enough effort. And that's like um, pretty badass. And I want to be able to do that, not just for the grade, you know? Uh, I don't, I don't climb purely for the grades. Like I definitely like want to like experience like the perfect red point, you know, um, like the, just like did everything right. Like, just like the feeling of perfection and like a lot of my best, like hardest red points, like I I messed something up during the red point, but I like had it dialed enough or I had enough strength where like I was able to fix it, you know? And I think that like personally, the most satisfied I am in climbing is when I red point a route and I just like perfected like the climb Mm. like the dance and that like is something i want to do and i think like as you push the grades higher the lines get better like the margin for error gets lower you know and that just requires more perfection and i want to i want to see how far i can take that i think you know and like also like i said goals for climbing is to hopefully like become like an influence in like the training community as well like my dad and yeah like Balance those two things because, like, I think something that would be really cool is like to build off of like my dad's platform, but the thing he never had was like the experience of being a five fifteen climber, you know. Mm. And that's a big aspect to add into your training because you can you can't empathize as someone like um, you can be a very effective coach and understand the science, but to be able to be inside another athlete's head and understand exactly like what they're going through is a slightly different thing. And I'm sure Drew obviously could agree to that. Yeah.
0: Would you want to focus your training as far as like what you're sharing with the community? Would you want to focus that on like the very high end?
1: No, I don't think necessarily. I mean, I haven't really thought about it too much, but it's definitely something I'm thinking about more and more as I'm like progressing through school and trying to find like a legit career path. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's very fulfilling to coach people that are like, not like beginners but like people that are at the level where they're starting to train Mm. you know and as long as they're the type of people that are very um dedicated to improving their craft rather than just be like the type of people that are like i'm trying to train you know i think it's very fulfilling and a lot of my friends from high school that i've gotten into climbing like i coached my friend to like climb v10 for the first time last year and that was like really sick because he's like four years into climbing and he sent his first V10 and I like coached him the way there. And that was really, really like fulfilling to like have him call me and be like, yo, I, I freaking did the V10 (laughs) bro. And that was really cool. And, um, I definitely want to like do that more with other people in the future.
0: Awesome. Drew, what do you think it's going to take for you to climb V18? Oh God. (laughs) Um, I I think I know. I think V17
2: is like just a matter of time. It seems like, is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, I mean, is I've actually thought like, about this a lot. Really? Um, I'll need to go through, like Cam said about the base, I need to be confident on V17. Like wow. I need to have like, for a climb that could tick a V18, like that is just so many like limit moves in a row. There are almost too many factors to like really get into it. Like something like v 18 would be like stacking two v16s on top of each other or a v15 into a v16 like that's mental that's so many hard like even just a 15 is like okay that was that was really hard like yeah maybe it went fast or something like that but dang that was like you know a couple of like some of the hardest moves i can do or whatever now it's just double that like yeah, you know that's crazy and Like we're saying like no rest in the middle as well. Like you don't you don't get like a nice little knee bar rest, like you're going (laughs) the entire time. And for something of that grade, I think the most important thing is like finding one. Like I was gonna
0: ask, like, are you aware of anything that might be that level? I'm aware of two. Okay.
2: Maybe three. And are other people
0: like are other people trying these things?
2: Not actively trying, no. Okay. Um but yeah, something V eighteen is like Part of the reason why I need a bunch of V17s first is because each V17 represents like a season, at least if I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. If I'm really lucky, just one season of like pure dedicated work, probably some training to go into it too. Because like if we're talking like the adding game or whatever, V17 is like a 14 plus a 15 or something along those lines. 14 plus 16, 13 plus 16, like just an incredible amount of like difficult moves in a row. And I'll need to be confident on V17 before it's, I even think about like trying a V18 is V18 is just adding like another layer to that where instead of doing like, yeah, the V13, let's let's add another one, you know, no Mm -hmm. rest, keep going. And I think the, the way your fingers and like forearms and body start to degrade at that many moves in a row at that high of a level, that's like, you know, maybe a, six months of like training specifically for that one climb or something like hiring a coach who knows way more about this than I do and being like, I need you to design me like specific workouts. Here's the climb. Here's all the dimensions of it. Here's what the holds are like. Hmm. Like I think that's what it would take for me to get to that level. And yeah, the whole like finding it is the biggest thing because there's so many climbs where like V18 needs to be like perfect almost Hmm. like, there's such a fine line between something that is V18 and something that is just not possible by humans. And V18 is already like really smudging that line to begin with. Um, It would need to be like not a couple moves because I don't think pulling a V18 in like less than six or seven moves is possible. Like I can't imagine how hard each of those individual moves would be and let alone like the conditions required Mm -hmm. to like stick each move. Like, you know, if we're talking about like a four or five move V18, those are like four or five of like the hardest moves people have ever pulled in a row, just in a row right there. And it need to be something that's long enough where like, yeah, each move is like really, really hard, but it's not like a human limit basically. Right. And at a certain point, like, obviously, like, I think I've brought up skin and conditions before on the podcast. Like for me right now, like, On a V14, like skin and conditions definitely matter. On a V15, they really matter. On a V16, they like need to be close to perfect. On a V17, like for me right now, it needs to be like absolutely perfect. And V18 is like, oh my God, there's one day a year where like the humidity is exactly right. My skin is so good right now. Like, you know, everything needs to be perfect. And I don't don't have all those parameters yet. I don't have Mm the V17. I don't know if the ones that would be possible are possible. I'll probably need to go exploring and find some stuff that might tick that box. But like, as of right now, like maybe. I'd like to. I'd like mm-hmm. to give it a solid run at some point, but there's a whole lot of work that needs to happen beforehand. There's also a time limit of if you get too old, Like I think your body will fall apart, not be able to pull those. Like, there's a time where... I will not be... Like, I'll pass the time where I'm strong enough to do that. And
0: so... I get that, but maybe. (laughs) I mean, like, Dave just climbed another V16. He's, like, 40. You know, you might have more...
2: Dave's a wizard. You might... He is
0: a wizard. You might have more time than you think, though.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: But it makes sense that it would... Like, the first one, at least, would need to be, like, a Grand Illusion V18 level. Like, a 10-move V15 into a 10-move V16 or something like that without rest or...
2: And yeah, I, I know of a couple that might fit that, but it's like at this point it's almost like, haha, check out this. Haha, there's holds like damn, this might go in the future. Hmm. It's not like a, oh my God, like I can do this rig. Hmm. It's more of like a Yeah, maybe I'm not there yet. Um Does that excite you though? The, oh yeah. Pro-
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: but there's it's yeah. like I'm pretty good at thinking, I think like two years out, three years out from now. Probably more two years out is like my limit. But like V18, that's like a long time out. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much that needs to happen for me before I can get to that level. And as guess we can try and do it, but <laughs> definitely no promises there. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's next for both of you guys? I want more V16s.
0: More <laughs> V16s. You got some lined up? Oh, yeah. You're working on? Yeah. Congrats on the latest one, man. Thank you. Yeah. Was yeah, that, that did that feel like a big significant one for
2: you? Yeah. This is
0: distortion, by the way, for people listening. It was the you wrote this in an Instagram post. It was the last undone climb in the Lincoln Lake Cave. Is that right?
2: Yeah. It's right by Insomniac, actually. Okay. Um, it starts, it does the same start to Insomniac, that like weird little bulge feature. And then it does a different exit. Honestly, at this point, this that one kind of fell under that like whiteboard list where I'm like, yeah, that exists. It's right there. I've done the pieces. Like, I just want to do it. Like, it's a really cool climb, don't get me wrong, but it's not like the most inspiring thing I've ever done. Mm. It was more just pissing me off that I couldn't do it. So I was (laughs) like, I need to do this one Mm -hmm. simply because this climb is winning right now. And it ended up being the hardest thing I've ever done. It took me more time than Insomniac did by quite a bit. Wow. Um, So I think it's harder. The last, the hardest move is like literally the last move. And so, how long is it? probably 20 moves about um pretty similar deal yeah that one started to get really frustrating at the end um but yeah i was really psyched to just get it done um and then there's a few more in colorado like a two more established 16s i think three three more established 16s although one of them is uh matt fultz's new brace for the cure yeah which is um closed Right. Due to half the mountain falling down. I know, man. I wanted
0: to do Wildcat this summer. That was like my main psych was that thing. But
2: I was actually at Lower Chaos like the earlier in the day before that happened with my roommate, Matt. And we saw a bunch of rock fall, but we didn't see the big slide. Mm. And we were like, yeah, okay. And we got out of there. And I think like the next day or something, I was like, yeah, I want to go try Blade Runner. And then uh, shit went down. Shit went down. (laughs) So lightly. Yeah. Yeah, there's after doing this last 16. Uh, what other ones do you have? Have you done, you did hypno? Did you? I've do not it? done hypno. Okay, so hypno? Hypno is hard for me. Cure? I need to train for that one. My fingers are not strong enough. Really? Yeah. That's I'm a different tangent. I'm surprised to hear that, actually. My fingers are by far the weakest thing I have. Really? Yeah. After all those years at Smith? Dude, you're all in like open pockets and stuff. Yes. You're not doing like nail biting. I mean, arms. I say that
0: I'm like, we, finger strength is my weakness too, because I climbed a Smith for so long. It's all yeah. just like <laughs> dancing on your toes, actually. I
2: mean, it's like, like, I'm not trying to say my fingers are weak. I'm just trying to say I've never trained finger strength once. I've never done a hangboarding program or ever? anything ever. Wow. What are all those micros doing downstairs? for show they actually are for show we barely use them <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
2: drew has like an entire like basement of hang boards like the whole width yeah of the basement is i use them every now and then when it's really cold out i like warming up downstairs first because it mm-hmm. makes warming up outside easier mm-hmm. i'm already got like the pre-warm-up um, okay but i just think physically i'm like a lot stronger and so boulders that are like pure crimp strength are like pretty hard for me Cause it's like, oh man, I gotta like really pull harder on this than I want to. Like I can't get a heel hook or like jump through something or squeeze harder. I just have to bear down on this hold and I really don't like doing that mm. just cause it's uncomfortable and feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically a hypno brace for the cure and then ice knife sit. Ah. Which I think ice knife sit is probably the hardest out of all of them in Colorado. Period or for you personally? Hardest 16 out of all of them. Okay. I mean, was that Daniel? Yeah. Okay. Daniel, like a decade ago.
1: Wait, Daniel did the wow. ASAP sit?
2: Yeah. Daniel got the FA of that. Damn. It's pretty rugged. I it
1: was like an open project.
2: No, know. no, Daniel did it sad, like yeah. nine years ago or something. <sighs> Has guy. not had a second ascent yet. So it's pretty, I don't know. It's a crazy climb. It's uncomfortable. Big moves. The stand was hard. What do you mean by many. uncomfortable? That's interesting. Just uh, like... <laughs> the holds are very uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, the second move is like this reach into this just like gross undercling pinch pocket thing. Mm. I like get, you have to warm up very carefully on that hold because you could very easily pop a tendon and the rest of the holds are like, man, it's such a pretty rock, but it's got these like swirls through it. Mm-hmm. this orange and black swirls, but a couple of the slopers are like very glassy. <laughs> and so it's, it's hard. It's real. Beautiful boulder though. And it's waiting for a second. So <laughs> once it gets colder, it'd be really, I tried it a bit this summer. Um, I was waking up at like five to get out there and for like 30 minutes. It was like cold enough. And then after it's too hot and just not Whoa. worth it. Yeah. That one would be cool. Cool.
0: What's next for you?
1: Um, so I'm in the gym for another month. I'm kind of sticking out this training cycle. And then we're down to St. George for the uh, epic battle in the fin cave, you know, try oh, to do yeah. some cool stuff. Hopefully some cool stuff will happen this fall and you may be there to witness it or not. I hope so. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I
0: will be, man, I'm I'm psyched. I'm really psyched to check out White Claw. Sounds like it's, it's a good, good climb. fit for me. Yeah,
1: and it's like...
0: Sounds like we'll have a good crew too.
1: Yeah, I mean like uh, there'll be some other people trying some projects there. Like I know uh I think like Drew Mack will be there cuz he has Stall's has finished bone and like he has some partners that climbs there and yeah so hopefully we can get on like a good schedule and a good program and just be psyched and psyched for the fall conditions and hopefully uh we just have something cool happen as I like to say yeah, you know, <laughs> something hopefully something cool happens you know
0: and we can do another we can do another one of yeah, these. Yeah, that'd be in cool in to Utah. like
1: yeah, do that with like Joe or something before like after success or yeah. something, you know. I hope
0: yeah. so. Um yeah. so you've already talked about this, Cam. I was gonna ask both of you guys, what do you hope to do with your careers outside of climbing? And you've talked a lot about that, like yeah. what's important to you. So yeah, I was curious about that, and I want to ask you that, Drew. What do you hope to do? Like is pro climbing the dream, or is there something else that you really feel pulled towards that you want to do with your life?
2: Um, well, I'm getting my uh, degree right now in like biological engineering, I'd like to get a master's. I want to say in the future, I'll hopefully use something with that. Um, as of now, the, I'm probably going to go the pro climbing route. Um, I don't know. As like this last couple years have kind of shown me like I'm in a unique position to have a really, really good tick list and add a really high number of like hard ass climbs into the country, like into the world. Um, I'd really like to do that. I just think it's like, I have so much fun. Like every time I put up a new boulder, like an FA especially like, oh yeah, that was great. Love it. Like added another one for somebody to try in the future maybe. Um, but I've also toyed around the idea with coaching. Although I think I, if I were to do that, like I might end up going back to school to like Cam was saying to have like a actual background in it. Like I have a lot of experience and I know it has worked for myself, but I don't honestly know like why it works. I just know that I've gotten Mm. results from using it. Mm -hmm. And I know like different training cycles I've done, what some of my peers have done, my coaches told me, and it's like, I think it'd be cool to give back in the future. But I think the type of person I could work with would be like similar to myself. Like I think, the skills that I could help people grow with to like achieve their goals, like you know, better be willing to work really hard for it, because I know there's a bunch of people out there who like will give anything to like send that next grade or whatever, achieve mm-hmm. what they want to do, and like I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to help that, and I think I could, um, but it's like type of person I could work with it would be someone where I'm like go until you throw up. Like, they're like, yes, we'll do. Mm. Like, it's a lot easier to, like, get results in that way because that's what I did for myself. Like, that's how hard I trained when I was younger. And it works and rather not have, like, time wasted, if that makes sense. It's like, yeah, might as well get, like, some Instagram coach to, like, write you a plan, Mm. you know? Like, that's the effort you're going to put in. And so the people I'd work with would be like, kind of selected, like, yeah, you're going to write an application or something like why you want to work and Mm. whatever your goal is, like, we're going to get you there, but you know, you got to be willing to put the work in, I think, but that's also a few years out. I got, yeah, a few more years of school. So kind of until then, like, I'm just going to focus on climbing. And then once I have my degree, like, then we'll kind of sit down and figure out what the future is. That's
0: cool. What made you choose biological engineering in the first place? I like chemistry and biology. Okay. That's fair. That's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I chose engineering because I liked math and physics and
2: yeah, like making things with, you know, Legos and whatever. When I was yeah. A kid, so. <laughs> I'm not, I'm definitely more STEM oriented. Um, mm-hmm. uh, physics and calc are pretty easy, but I'm just more interested in chemistry, especially at mines. Like the chemical engineering is like, it's a pretty tough program. Um, like I'm, yeah, about to go into my junior year. Now we have all the thermo classes, and I am not psyched for those, but it's still interesting. And it's like, oh yeah, this is not just why things work, but this is you know how it works in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, get, yeah, make it in an industrial level, at a cost-effective way. Like, I don't know, I just find it really interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I resonate with that. I always. I started studying math, but it was too theoretical. I needed to like know how stuff was actually going to be used in real life mm-hmm. to to be interested in it. So I can relate
1: to that. I get that. Yeah.
0: Thanks, dudes.
1: Yeah. This, this has been fun. this has been super fun. Yeah, man. This is great. I've,
0: I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um the V eighteen thing's fascinating. Cam, I'm psyched to see uh, yeah, dude. I'm psyched to see you in October and see how you do on the route on yeah, the rig. Really psyched. Is there anything else uh, that feels important to you guys to talk
2: about that we haven't covered? I thought of something earlier and I can't, oh, I think it was when Cam was talking about like the feeling of perfection on a climb. That was like, oh, flow state. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Every time I send a boulder, it's flow state. Mm. Like if every every time, literally every time it feels easy until it, or it feels hard until it feels easy. And when it feels easy, I'm like, ah, cool. I knew I was going to do it today. Like, wow. There, yeah, there's so many boulders where that happens for me. Like my cam was with me when I did uh, my first V16, and the entire time I'm like bouncing up the trail. I'm just like, I'm I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna do it. And then sure enough, I like warmed up and it was like first go of the day. Wow, it felt yeah. easy, and that's like, I don't know if anyone out there has tips on how to get into that state more. Please DM <laughs> me. I need it. I mean that. Yeah, that's like a whole <laughs> focus of study for sure. Dude, I, I feel it like the true flow state like once a week or once a month maybe. If I'm that's lucky. That's way more than most people. That's Yeah, yeah. Like, But that's, that's also cool. like the only stuff I try or stuff where like you need to be in that state to do yeah. it. And so I'm like slowly figuring out how to get there more and more. But like, damn, it's so nice when it happens because it's just, you feel like unstoppable. It's like, I'm just simply gonna do the boulder. Like, mm. I don't know. I just thought, yeah, when Cam brought up that feeling of perfection, like the flow state like is perfection, I think, and it feels good. I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Cam, you had a you had a fourth thing
0: from Joe. Did did that ever come I, back you know, to you? I,
1: I didn't think about it at all. It's um, <laughs> fine. Yeah.
0: No worries at all. Shit. <laughs> well, then, in that case, I have, I have one more question that just popped into my mind. I don't know why. I don't know where this came from, but I think it could be interesting. Um, who are each of you most impressed by out there climbing? As far as climbing? As far as climbing goes.
1: So, I don't know. I think that like- We can also skip like, this question. I don't know. Like There's so many people that impress me. Like, I think that like, like for someone, for example, like Alex Megos obviously is like someone I really look up to in climbing because he just like epitomizes like what it means to be like an amazing climber. And he's like dedicated, like beyond belief. He's trains beyond belief. And he just has like being a climbing person, like mastered, you know, and He's, like, the best. So that's, like, kind of, like, a cliche answer. But then there's also people like Jonathan Segrist, who are also a phenomenal climbers. But, like, when I was talking about, like, getting to a point where you can, like, dispatch 15A, like, that's what Jonathan's at. I and know. And, like, he just has, like, the ability. And, like, Matt Faults too. And that's mm. someone else that I really like. Like, these guys and, like, Drew even. Like, the, the character trait that a lot of the top climbers have that I really appreciate, because I don't have this yet, is, like, being able... To like, when you know you can do a climb, like being able to finish it like sooner than later, Mm. you know, like you know you can do it and you just execute it. You know, you don't get like, you don't have any mental fatigue. You don't get, you don't psych yourself out. You don't get unpsyched because it's taking longer than it should. You just like can get it done. And I really respect that trait. And I think like a lot of like climbers that I look up to have that trait and I appreciate that. Cool. And that's why like, I think they're cool.
0: Yeah. Anything come to you come to mind for you, Drew?
2: So I went to Cluttercentrum, Innsbruck for training, like when I was I mean, I've been there a couple times, but I went there when I was 18, I think. And there's for those of you who don't know, there's like a huge spray wall upstairs. It's like the size of like I don't know, like 20, 30 moonboards or something, just like this crazy like comp wall. And it has like, you know, thousands of holds on it. There's some gnarly stuff that goes down up there. And uh, I think I was up there and Jakob Schubert was there. And of course, at the time he had like zero clue. He's like, oh, he's like tiny little American kid, whatever. I was just like kind of following along, like just seeing what he was doing for training. And this man did like a 20-move circuit that I tried like every single day I was there. And I think at the end of it, I had gotten like the first six moves or something like that. And he like flashed it. And I was like, so (laughs) mind blown at the time. I was like, that is insane. Like, that's like the going from being like a big fish in like a little pond or whatever. When I was back home, like, yeah, I was one of the strongest guys in the gym, like that was sick and whatever. And then you go overseas, like go to some of these areas. And that was like the first time I was like, okay, that's what like actual professional is like, Mm. that's crazy. It was probably like a 15 A or B circuit that this man did in like a try or two. And it just like blew my mind after I saw that. I was like that, oh my God, I'll never be that strong. It was just, I don't know, at that moment, it's like stuck with me like more than most other moments. I mm. thought it was pretty cool. I'm glad I asked that.
0: Thanks guys. Yeah, That was awesome. All right, and birthday party,
2: I guess. <laughs> Let's go get drunk. <laughs> Are you gonna turn 23? Yeah, 23 tomorrow. Okay, any plans for your birthday? Uh, I'm going to Squamish on Saturday for the Arc'teryx Academy and so probably nothing honestly because I'd like to climb on Saturday nice. when I get off the plane and have a pretty early flight uh, Nice. probably just hang out with the homies here in the house and maybe float down Clear Creek or something I don't know no real plans <laughs> cool well thanks for having me thanks for doing uh, this you guys yeah, yeah I, thanks I you really,
0: really enjoyed this and uh, it's fascinating as always so yeah Let's do it again. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey friends, before you go, just a reminder to check out Fizzy Vantage. If you want to try their supercharged collagen or any of their great nutrition products, head over to FizzyVantage.com, use code Nugget15 at checkout for 15% off your next order and get ready to feel the Fizzy Vantage. Also be sure to check out Crimped. Head over to Crimped.com or find the Crimped app in the App Store. It's available for iOS and Android and it's free. The free version gives you tons of amazing stuff. You can try it out and see if you like it. It's awesome. The flexibility workout I've been doing is called hip and leg flexibility. So go check it out if you hate stretching and you want to make stretching easy. Also, be sure to check out the Arcteryx film "Free as Can Be." I watched it over the summer; I loved it. And if you love climbing, I'm sure you'll dig it too. Head over to YouTube and search for Arcteryx "Free as Can Be," or use the direct link right there in your podcast app to watch the full 31-minute film for free. Don't forget to check out Petzl. Shop for Petzl helmets at your local climbing shop or online at Petzl.com and get top and side protection to keep your noggin safe if, God forbid, the unexpected happens. You can experience the difference with Petzl. And finally, last but certainly not least, don't forget to check out Chalk Cartel. If you need to refill your chalk bag, head over to ChalkCartel.com to re-up on my personal favorite high-performance climbing chalk and use code NUGGET for 20% off your next order. It even comes in a five-gallon bucket, so you can save big and literally chalk up to your elbows this fall. And that is it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm assuming you did since you listened to the very, very end. If you're hearing this, fall is finally here in the northern hemisphere. I hope you guys are enjoying those fall temps out there. Best of luck with your climbing and your projects if you're trying something hard for you this fall. I hope you guys have an amazing week and we will see you next time.